0: Welcome everyone to the Leader Next Door podcast, where we find leaders from all walks of life and find out their secret strategies for success. New episodes are released every Thursday. Sit back and enjoy the show. This box right here is just a box jump that yeah. you use for a table. Yeah. All right, that's cool. Um, <clears throat> this is we're in Hapara, right? Yes, we are in Hapara. So. Tell me a little bit about um, who you are and why um, you opened this gym that we're in.
1: Yeah, so we're uh, recording the podcast from inside my gym, Saga Jiu-Jitsu. My name is Kyle Myers. I'm a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, U.S. Army and U.S. Air Force veteran, Hapro Horsham graduate. Um, Go Hatters. Yeah, exactly. Go Hatters. Go Hatters Wrestling. I was actually just in the high school watching the kids' wrestling program because one of my black belts is one of the coaches. And it was the first time I've been there since 2011 when I graduated. Are you so serious? that was kind of yeah, that was kind of like a surreal experience
0: being in there. That's insane. Yeah, it's um, so it's funny because you know I teach at Happer Horsham, and I remember you being there because I remember you and your two brothers. Yeah. But I yep. never really had you in class, and I just kind of knew about you, and I wasn't really into wrestling back then. I just knew you guys right. were like wrestle like a a wrestling family. Right. And um, I remember you guys were always in the gym, always yep. working out, and you know it's no it's no surprise to me that you know, a decade or so later, you have your own like wrestling slash jujitsu gym, jujitsu gym. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, that a lot of it seems like a lot of jujitsu people come from
1: wrestling. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's a huge crossover. So the grappling arts, whether it's judo, jujitsu, wrestling, there's a huge crossover and you'll find that athletes from one sport tend to go into the other sport. And it's funny that you say we come from a wrestling family. So for, you know, anybody that's listening to this, that knows me, me and my two brothers, Andrew and Alex all wrestled at Hapro Horsham. Uh, my parents actually had nothing to do with wrestling. My dad did not <laughs> wrestle at all. And we're so my family's so associated with grappling and wrestling. My mom was actually the one that got my brothers to wrestle when we were kids. Okay. Her older brother was a state qualifier wrestler and a college wrestler, Drexel. Oh, really? For a little bit. Yeah. I so didn't know that. He, so my mom grew up watching him wrestle. Yeah. So she wanted my brothers to wrestle when they were kids. And I actually had no interest in wrestling when I was a kid. I didn't. I didn't play any sports when I was a kid. I yeah. grew up as like out of shape, like long-haired, heavy metal listening, probably doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, not playing sports kind of kid. Yeah. I so you. when I was 15 years old, my dad uh, wanted me to join the wrestling team because he was like, you know, you got to start doing something better with your time than the things that you're doing and the people that you're hanging out with. So he convinced me um, to join the wrestling team. I joined the wrestling team, and I probably have not been off of a mat, whether it's jujitsu or wrestling, since I turned 15 for more than six months. And that was only the longest break I ever took was to go to basic training for the for the army. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. So you you didn't you didn't even do like youth wrestling. You jumped right in high school, Mm -mm. high school wrestling. My uh, sophomore year of high school was the first time I ever did I ever did
0: anything athletic beyond like two days of football practice before I quit when I was eight or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> how did you end up doing in wrestling? Like, as a, I know your brother's had some success, especially your middle brother, but um, maybe your older brother, too. I kind of forget. But how did you end up doing? So my older brother, Andrew,
1: is actually – he was the high school pin record holder for a long time, actually until my senior year. One of the guys that I wrestled with broke at Matt Harkins. Oh, yeah. And then uh, he had over 100 high school wrestling wins, which is a huge accomplishment in high school wrestling. Oh, for sure. And he did he, have 100 wins. Yeah, oh, yeah, he yeah yep. So. Alex was a state medalist in the high school, which is extremely hard. That's the top eight people in their weight That's class um, his senior year. I probably won 20 matches my entire high school wrestling career. It's amazing. I started so much later and I was just, I, you know, I was unathletic when I started. Yeah. But for me, I don't look at wrestling as something that I did that I did it to be good at wrestling. Yeah. It set me up to be uh, in this place where I cared about athletics and it got me really into lifting weights, which is really like my first athletic passion. I was really into lifting weights. I wanted to be a bodybuilder when I was a teenager. And then, um, it allowed me to find jujitsu because when I stopped my senior year, I was like, man, I've been doing this for so many years and I like it so much. I don't want to stop. What am I going to do? And I remember I was a huge MMA and UFC fan, as I think a lot of guys were. And especially at that time, it was huge. And, uh, I was like, man, I really want to do jujitsu or do MMA. (laughs) Maybe I'll fight. And I was looking for gyms, and there was, like, no jiu-jitsu in this area. Yeah. Really, for people that listen to this podcast that know jiu-jitsu, they know in 2011 when I started, there was only a couple gyms in the area. Um, so I couldn't find a place. So I ended up go doing judo. So, like I said, there's a ton of crossover to the grappling arts. Yeah. So I did judo at a gym called Liberty Bell Judo that's still open in northeast Philly. And that was a group of uh, Russian guys that were – they okay. were wild. They were they were awesome guys. And the guy Tony that I trained with there now I still talk to. He's awesome. But that was really like the only option that was close enough for me as an eighteen year old kid to drive to and train.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I I remember you back in the day, and um, you know, talking about your brothers real quick. Like Alex, that's your, that's the middle brother, right? Yeah. Yes. I remember Alex as <clears throat> I coached like ninth grade football, and I remember him being like, I was like, ah, oh, he was okay. I, I you know, he ended up developing and like I heard that he wrestled and then I remember one day not even hardly knowing that he wrestled and then finding out that he meddled at States and I, I was never so mind boggled yeah. I just didn't put it together and I right. wasn't too into wrestling them I'm way more into it now as far as a fan and following yeah, and stuff right. but I was like Alex is like and I knew what that meant like yeah. I knew it was a great achievement I just I was so and then I, I always looked at him a little differently after that I was like yeah. damn I was like that kid's uh, talented. And then, right. and, you know, and I, and I remember Andrew, I mean, your brother, Andrew, when I coached football ninth grade, he was like a, he, he looked like a 28 year old construction <laughs> worker. His calves yeah. were bigger than my head. Yeah. And I was like, this kid's really good. Yeah. I mean, he would just like blow through the line. And I, I think we moved him up to varsity and as a, as a freshman, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But so, I mean, like, you know, your whole family has this like legacy of just kicking ass and like doing all this stuff. And then I remember you and I'm like, Kyle, he's uh, you know, what, and and it's funny because I'm just sort of piecing that together now. Right. You were a kid that, you know, you just you started in tenth grade, and right. it wasn't like you know, it wasn't even your thing at the time. Yeah. Um, so the fact that you've gone, <laughs> you've continued that. You, you know, we're sitting in here now. We got this beautiful gym, these awesome mats, all these medals all over the place, and you're a kid that won 20 matches in high school. Yep. You know, so that's that's a that's a really cool thing for me to see because. You know, like I, I, talk to kids that wrestle at the high school now. My own kids wrestle. Um, some of them have had success. As a matter of fact, my son tomorrow has districts, yeah. so we'll see how he does. Um, Where is he wrestling at? He wrestles at CB South. He's a freshman. Okay, so he awesome. was 15 and 14 this year. He should do jujitsu. He he. We tried it at another gym over near us in Shalfont, like two years ago, Hellfish. called Hellfish. Yeah. yeah, with um, what's his Tim name? Tim Carpenter. Tim. Yeah. He was a nice guy. I'm like um, a jujitsu jitsu Rolodex, so if you tell me somebody, <laughs> something or somebody,
1: I probably could tell you. I probably could tell you who their last match was against. Yeah, like, yeah.
0: No, that was uh, – yeah, Tim was really great. Um, and we, we did that for a little bit. I did it too. I was like, what am I doing? But, um, yeah, so they did that for a while. So we'll see how he does. He's like an eight seed, only the top four advanced. So I don't yeah, know. Whatever. It's yeah, one of those right, things. But exactly. either way, like, you know, he he's got a good mindset. Like, right. he's like – he's <laughs> – Sometimes the stuff that he says, I'm like, well, that's not what the paper said like it's yeah. not what it like, but he's but that's kind of good like he's right. going in thinking he could win. my other son he's he's been wrestling seven years he's like in sixth grade now mm-hmm. since kindergarten, but he's like he was real good as a young kid and now he's kind of like struggling a bit so,
1: so it's, it's funny me and my brother Alex talk about that all the time. so a little bit of background about Alex because we're gonna keep bringing him up and you yeah. know it just we're so tied to each other, my whole family because we're such a close family that Really, when somebody talks about one of us, the other two tend to get brought up. Alex yeah. is still to this day one of my main jiu-jitsu training partners. So Alex is now is a pro MMA fighter. He's three and two as a pro. He just wow. fought in December; was his most recent fight after taking a long break. Okay, he won by TKO uh, for CFFC, which is one of the biggest feeder promotions on the East Coast yeah. into the UFC. Is that the
0: one that uh, Zoo was in? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, uh,
1: Zoo Azuna Azuna and Yanwu, uh, he fought in the UFC in Bellator. He's kind of been my brother's MMA mentor um he's one of my one of my good friends he's yeah. coming into the gym a bunch that's awesome um, he got Alex really down the path that Alex was on with problem MMA fighting and you know life kind of got in the way for a couple years now Alex wasn't fighting and this comeback fight was a big deal to him he actually ended up winning the fight after tearing his hamstring right about a week before the fight if you look at the pictures it's crazy his whole leg's like purple but anyway how did he tear so, it in the fight like uh, he, he, he was got throw, he, he threw a head kick and I think at zoo in practice oh god <laughs> just you know random freak injury tore his hamstring Um, and he, he was so dedicated to the fight and coming back after the time off. And he knew, you know, he's getting a little bit older. He's in his mid thirties. He's like, if I'm going to make this last run before I get married and have kids and do whatever else I'm going to do, I want to do it the right way. And I'm, you know, we were all really impressed with him as his coaches and his teammates and stuff for still taking the fight, but to fight somebody, especially fight another heavyweight, yeah. especially fight another pro heavyweight, you know I mean? A guy yeah. that was good, that was being coached by, I don't know if you know who Matt Serra is, former UFC yeah. champion Matt Serra. Who was that, being coached? Who's the, coaching? Alex, That guy Alex fought. Oh, really? was being coached by Matt Serra. Wow. So you're fighting a dude, you know, that yeah. it was who Alex had fought in his second uh, pro MMA fight. So it was their rematch. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of factors going into the fight. And,
0: you know, you should have Alex on sometime and, and he can talk to. about his pro MMA career. Yeah, I, I'm a little scared if he hears this because he'll, he'll – put me in some kind of chokehold or something <laughs> after I didn't believe in him when he was younger, but I believe in you now. Nah, so proud, nah. so he, he would I, you know what he would probably be happy to hear you say that and to see
1: how far he's come no, because I'm very proud of yeah, all you guys. But he's I mean, he's come very far as as a person and his yeah. jujitsu as a fighter. There's there's a lot of good things to say about him and he really does. He has no stake in owning the gym and he doesn't coach classes for me, but he's he's very helpful with a lot of the guys. That's awesome. And especially if we have guys that want to fight to have somebody here with pro MMA experience, because we're yeah. not an MMA gym, we're strictly a jujitsu gym, to have somebody to tell them, you know, this is the real digs of what it's like, this is what you're gonna get paid, this is what you have to do to be successful, yeah. And this is what you're gonna
0: have to sacrifice. And there's a lot of sacrifices in mixed martial arts and what do you what do you think like you, you talk about the sacrifices, like I I can only imagine, you know, social life, drinking, um, weight cutting, diet, like a lot. What are some of the sacrifices when you say there's a lot that. Comes so to
1: so thankfully, um, myself and my brother are heavyweights, so we don't cut weight. Oh, <laughs> I don't well, believe in awesome. cutting weight. We do sacrifice drinking. We're very, very big on we don't drink for uh, six days. I'm actually in the middle of a month of not drinking right now, leading up to a jujitsu competition. So if we have something big coming up, we won't drink for six to eight weeks before anything. Alex started that when he was an amateur in MMA. Okay. And not that we're crazy party guys to begin with, but yeah. we do. You know, we like to have a drink and hang out with our friends like anybody does. But we are adamant
0: that we don't drink um, leading up to our fights. Yeah. So, so that's a that's yeah. a sacrifice, especially when you know you're a young dude. You got your friends going out. And, and we doing give up stuff. a
1: ton of our time. So that's that is the you know whether it's jiu jitsu, like I compete in high level jiu jitsu. Alex competes in MMA and in jiu jitsu. Um, we sacrifice a ton of our times, probably much to our uh, wives' anger. <laughs> but <laughs> I yeah. train, uh, I train six to seven days a week. I teach classes, and I still work. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Yeah. I still work a regular nine to five, forty-hour a week job. So yeah. I, I mean, my week, my week of work is is not easy. Yeah,
0: we're, I mean, we're at your gym now after your day of work, and then you have a little lull before your basically your second. Job right, starts, exactly. which is your life.
1: <laughs> so my lull, and you know, it's I have this time to record the podcast today, and that's uh, nice because on Fridays I work a half day. Normally I work nine o'clock to five o'clock, and I come right here. I yeah. can leave work and I come right here to work out and teach my classes. And my day starts at. 730 in the morning and ends at nine o'clock at night. So when you work,
0: where do you work um, before this?
1: So I'm a veterinary technician at Horsham Veterinary Hospital, and it kind of always cracks people up (laughs) that my day to day, I spend, you know, working with animals and you know, there's a a lot of hard things about the job, but playing with puppies and then I come in here and put the black belt on and I have to, you know, change my
0: gear a little bit to that mode. Yeah. You deal with other animals. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, like, I I do want to talk to you about that a little bit because I'm a huge um, dog lover. I always have been. Um, I don't know if you prefer cats or dogs or you don't like either, but um, what's it like as a vet tech? I mean, you must see, nobody's coming to you, at a ha- for a happy moment like they're coming to you with a with oh a we get a
1: ton of people coming to us for happy moments really I would say that's what balances it out yeah everybody that when they get a new puppy you have to bring it to the vet that's you a good know point. so I was wrong there yeah yeah and even just like wellness visits or yeah that's their true. pet had a chronic condition and they're seeing you for their final follow-up and it's resolved yeah that's a happy visit you know yeah, yeah. I would say our day is balanced pretty well the hardest thing is shifting gears so let's say somebody brings in a new puppy and I yeah. see their new puppy and it's the happiest day of their life. Yeah. And then I have to go and euthanize somebody's two year old dog oh, in the next yeah. room. Yeah. And I have to do that two seconds later after yeah. I just came out of the happiest part of somebody's year, day, yeah. week, whatever, and then go to the saddest point of the 15 years that they've owned that dog.
0: How do you um like, you know, you you don't have to talk about this if you don't want, but um I mean that's all. that's always been something that, you know, humans and dogs are a little different. Like your dog gets old and whatever take men get euthanized it's common it's it seems like it's a, a good idea so they don't suffer i mean what is that does that take a toll on you or did it take a toll on you at first when you so got into that so i've
1: been very good at separating um the emotional part of veterinary medicine from my everyday life okay. um but it does take a toll you know there was a week a couple uh, months ago where i did several several euthanasias and you know we assist in them as the technicians the doctors sure. actually perform the euthanasias sure. but we're there from end to end And I just did so many of them in a week. And sometimes that just happens. They come in waves for whatever reason or like around the holidays. Unfortunately, a lot of people euthanize their pets uh, because they just can't afford to care. Uh, But, you know, you hit a week where you do 10, 12, 15 euthanasias in a week, it will wear on you. And you're like, you're just emotionally drained because you're seeing, like I said, that might be if those people have owned that animal for 15 years, that might be the lowest point of that 15 years for those people. And you have to see 10 minutes of that and be there for that moment and then be like, all right. Yeah. I have to move on and I'm at work yeah. and maybe that happens to you at eight 30 in the morning and you're at work till five o'clock at night. So yeah. that's with you all day. Yeah. So as I say, throughout my career and I've been doing this for a long time, I've been able to separate that really well for myself and not let it wear on me too much. But there are definitely weeks where it can be sad.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And I,
1: and I do love animals. You know, I have a dog, I have a basset hound, I have a cat my wife has an aquarium worth of fish in my house, unfortunately. (laughs) Does she do a good
0: job of keeping them alive? Yes. Oh yes. She loves fish. It is like her passion. Yeah. When I was in high school, I had these, uh, I had this neighbor, I I grew up in an apartment and this guy, like a couple buildings over, I was like 14 and he's like, he had these African cichlids. I don't even know what that is. They're just tropical fish. I could not tell you what kind of fish are in these four fish tanks. Like I said, it's like the Camden Aquarium in there. <laughs> Dude, I so I had – it was called brackish water, so I was like – I'm like 12 or 13 thinking I could figure it out. Within like two weeks, like they just started dying. Like I come home from school and like one was dead here and there, and, you know, it just kind of like – it got a little crazy. But that's kind of cool that, um, you know, you, you have a wife that – I'm sure she likes pets, but she has this like – not fascination, but like very strong interest in um, a coral. Is it a? Is it a? No, a so salt? No, no, salt water. so, uh, not, so, so my wife easier, is a police officer, so she
1: works crazy hours. Oh, so, I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So she's a police officer, so she works some crazy hours. So the
0: maintenance of a saltwater
1: tank will yeah. be a little difficult. Dude, but. I
0: had uh, one of your <laughs> one of your friends, and uh, I, I believe one of um, your uh, current roommates, um, Anthony, was on the show yeah, a couple yep. weeks ago. And I don't know if your wife ever had to go through this, but Anthony told a story and showed me a video when he had to go through um, a tase, a tase. <laughs> So my wife went to my wife has only been a police officer for a year. So she um,
1: was a, regist- a certified insurance agent, okay, and she was 30 years old and decided randomly that she wanted to be a police officer. So, really, just like, like yeah, one day, and another like, person yeah. that that would be interesting. She's not as much of a talker as I am, but she would be another person that's a really interesting story uh, that of like that a, Sounds awesome, and she's an Harperworth graduate. She graduated the same year as me, 2011. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, all right, awesome. So. Um, she was a, an insurance agent with a great job at Grundy insurance in, in Horsham. Yeah. And she, with everything going on in the news and yeah. in the world, she was seeing all the, you know, injustices and she was like, I want to be a police officer. I think the same type of people are police officers all the time yeah. and a different type of person needs to be a police officer just up and decide she never, awesome. wasn't in the military. Wasn't even like a particularly like super physical person. Like you think wants to become a cop yeah. was just decided that she wanted to do it and did it. That's
0: great. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a very, very impressive. Yeah, you gotta. Like, I was talking to kids today, and, and uh, when I, you know, earlier when I was at school, and um, I like to think that I talk to kids about like, you know, this is just like a saying, but there's like three types of people in the world. There's people that make things happen, people that watch things happen, and then people that are just like, what happened? They don't even know. Maybe yeah. you were like that when you were a younger kid, and that's why your dad was like slapping your head and like, come on, let's get going. Who knows? But like your wife, like made something happen. I love, I love to hear stories like that yeah. where people are just like, I'm not happy here. I want to do this and they do it they don't just talk about it
1: i think that she was always the type of person that you know maybe some things happened around her yeah and she hit a point in her life and she was like i'm sick of you know i think uh, she always talks about how when she was younger she wanted to um she wanted to be like a carpenter or be in the trades and her mom was like oh you know that's women don't do those jobs but uh, my wife restores furniture and stuff and she loves it i can't turn a screwdriver (laughs) so i'm the wrong person to ask to fix anything but, uh, it's awesome. you know, she's she's very handy. She's a police officer. So she does all these things that are like, you know, you wouldn't expect her to do. And yeah. then I'm the veterinary technician. Our roles are so reversed. <laughs> it's you know awesome. what I mean,
0: it's it's very cool, man. I, I love hearing the dynamic that you guys have. That sounds neat. Well, anyway, uh, Anthony showed us this uh, video with, I guess, I guess through when he started with this department or whatever, um, he came back, he left and he came back in and he, he did two things. He brought my son some Pokemon cards because they love Pokemon. And he brought the video. He's like, Oh, I'll show you this. And the guy, I guess there's like two people and they go, let's get tased. Let's get tased. And then they tase him and he falls down. He showed that to my kids. My kids have been, if Anthony's listening to this, they've been reciting that and reenacting that ever since for the last like three weeks. I'll come home and they're like, hey, dad, let's get tased. Let's get tased. And I'm just oh like, God. it's funny. That's funny. So, so to, to <laughs> circle fully back about why I said my wife has only been a police officer for a
1: short time, she went to the academy during COVID. Oh really? So yes. Yeah, was so, it online? No, <laughs> no, no. She went in person. That was it was very difficult. She had to wear a mask. I was away on orders for the Air Force when she was in the academy, so I wasn't even here. Yeah. It was a uh, it was an interesting time, but they cut a lot of those things out, so she did not have to get pepper sprayed or taste. Oh. And she has not had to do it yet in her department. Uh, maybe we shouldn't be talking to yeah, about right. this. Yeah, right. Exactly. She's like somebody get, to call her, her in. The chief's <laughs> gonna get a good idea. No, I would man, I pay money to see that video. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God.
0: Next time she asks me to do the dishes, I'm going to be like, hi, don't you need taser trading? <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, that's really cool to hear like your story and how that happened. I mean, one of the things that honestly I didn't even know about you, um, until kind of coming in here and you you've mentioned it a few times was your path through the military. Yeah. And I, I want to ask you about Like, you know, what kind of kid were you like in high school? And because I, you know, I I teach, I deal with a lot of kids and I'm definitely not the teacher that's like, you have to go to college. If anything, I'm kind of the opposite. I'm like, Mm -hmm. first of all, like, it might not be the best solution for you. So like, what kind of kid were you in high school? Did you feel any pressure to go to college? Did you go to college? What was, what role did the military play? So if, if younger people
1: are listening to this, I I really like to try and tell people about like what, how the path that my life took happened because it was so not necessarily unconventional but so non-linear and it still is you know yeah. people say all the time i'm 30 years old right now i don't know what i want to be when i grow up yeah. i love jujitsu. i would love to own this place full time but i've loved other things in my life and yeah. that doesn't mean that you can't do those things successfully yeah. so in high school i mean i was i got good enough grades that i was academically eligible to wrestle <laughs> yeah i was always uh, like a smart kid and you know yeah. i excelled at things that i wanted to excel at and I didn't want to go to college at all. I wanted to join the army. Both my brothers were in the army. I wanted to be an army medic. That was all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do it in the Pennsylvania National Guard because that's where they both served. And okay. you know, I knew that I could go to school and i figured you know if i could be a medic there was medical jobs i don't know what made me want to be a medic i think originally i wanted to be a military police officer my brothers used to always say this thing they're like you want to be the guy that arrests somebody who has a medal of honor so i didn't want to do that uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so then uh i didn't want to do that and then they both did combat arms jobs so alex is a is still serving in the military he's in his 13th year in the pennsylvania national guard he's wow. a sergeant um he's a combat engineer, which is basically demolitions experts. Really? Uh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Get him on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Alex, you're next. Alex man. has some cool <laughs> and Alex works in a in a high school right now. He's a, oh, does a he? he's a service electrician for Abington Friends School. Yeah. Oh, so that's awesome. You man. guys can kind of relate about some things about working at schools. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Probably deal with some different things. Yeah. But I would love to hear. Yeah. yeah. He's sounding more and more interesting uh, every time he mentions yeah, <laughs> Yeah, he's
1: he's like I said, he's got a different path too. So anyway yeah. Uh, my brother, Drew, served 10 years in the infantry. The infantry is whatever everybody thinks of a soldier. They think of an infantryman. That is yeah. the, the foot soldier, the grunt of the military. Yeah. So I wanted to be a combat medic. So I remember I went to my high school guidance counselor and I said, you know, I want to join the army and they said, the army's for losers. And I was like, "Huh, that's an interesting take. Uh -uh. You know, I don't think that uh, the chief of staff of the army was a loser and he probably had to start off somewhere. Right. Yeah. So, you know, presidents have been in the military and doctors and everything else. Yeah. And not to mention, you know, I tell people this all the time. If you can think of a job, the army has it. The army is made to occupy uh, a whole country. They have everything. Lawyers, veterinary technicians, teachers fitness instructors, doctors, and doctors, anesthesiologists, whatever, yeah. Yeah. so I work in military medicine now. So, I mean, I've certainly worked with a lot of successful people. Not so really. I ended up going to, I ended up going to college because, you know, it's guidance counselor. I let them to affect my decision. So I went to uh, Pennsylvania College of Technology in Williams-Fort. Yeah, that's miss- a great
0: college, by the way. It is a great Regardless of where you're going yes. next, but yes. I've seen a lot of people have success there.
1: So it's a technical college, which is people kind of frown upon, I think, a lot, maybe just in this area that we live in. Yeah. However, they have things like that. my roommate in college was a civil engineer, so yeah. they have things like engineering. They have a physician's assistant program, nursing. Yeah um but it was a technical college so it focused more on what you wanted to be and yeah. i wanted to open a gym ironically now i've gotten there but yeah. we'll talk about how this this ends this up this was a long Not time depend. ago this was, this was uh I was 18 12 years, years ago yeah, yeah so i was 18 years old so this was 12 years ago i wanted to open a gym i was super into lifting weights i loved wrestling i <laughs> wanted to be a personal trainer have my own spot so my parents said you know you should go to school for exercise science and if you like it, maybe you'll become a gym teacher, maybe you'll become a physical therapist, you yeah. know, or you'll be a personal mm-hmm. trainer you'll be successful. So my parents are the most, most supportive people in the world, but they are the type of people that are like, you want to do this, figure it out for yourself. So I didn't take the SATs, didn't take the ACTs. I knew that I could get into this college without taking them, you know, whatever. Yeah. I did the whole application process myself, much to my chagrin as an 18 year old. It was very <laughs> difficult to figure out and I can only imagine how difficult it is now. Yeah. So I did all of that. Went to college in Williamsport, graduated with my associates, and I was a dean's list level student in yeah. college. I was studying something I was passionate about. The school there wasn't a lot of distractions. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I had you know a girlfriend throughout it, so I wasn't chasing girls around. Yeah, I had a good time. You know, went and visited my friends in college, did all of that. Graduated, and I got my first job as a personal trainer at a, a place called Club Metro in Doylestown. That's not even around anymore, but it was like an LA Fitness style box gym. Okay. And I was training grandmas and
0: housewives,
1: (laughs) and it sucked every ounce of passion I had for fitness out of my body. I can understand that. Yeah. I absolutely hated it, and I hated going in every day. I hated trying to sell these people that I didn't want to work with personal training. So I worked there for probably about a year. That gym has since closed. I don't even think there's any of them left in Pennsylvania. I think the whole organization tanked. Yeah. But uh, so then I got a job at a uh, staffing agency through a guy I met at the gym. So I worked behind a desk. I hated it every <laughs> single day i hated it yeah i hated answering phones and sitting there and, and yeah and know, the anticipation co- of going in is just yeah like, uh. and wearing a collared shirt and working nine to five and my parent but my parents again were like if you're not going to school you're going to work full time you're going to carry your own health insurance you're yeah. going to be an adult you can live under you can live at our house you know and yeah. we'll support you if you're not making enough money or whatever because it was a commission-based job but you had to work full time they were yeah. like figure out what it is you're going to do with your life so then i was 21 years old sitting in the office one day and I'm like, man, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. Like I I can't do this. I can't keep doing this. So I was like, I'm going to go back to college. I always wanted to be an army medic. I'm going to be a nurse. So I said to my parents, I want to go back to college. I want to be a nurse. And they said, college, you already went to college. (laughs) I was like, yeah, but I want to do something different. They said, oh, well that, that was it. That was your college money. You don't get to go to college anymore. (laughs) And I was like, well, but I want to. And they said, yeah, that, that's awesome. You're an adult. Pay for it. Yeah. And I said, where the hell am I going to get the money to go to college? Who can yeah. pay for college? They said, join the Army or keep working. I said, we'll join the Army. <laughs> so my parents at 22 Damn. years old basically told me, find the money or join the Army. And I took the join the Army route.
0: So you yeah. joined the Army Army, like four years Army? No, the Army National Guard.
1: Work? So the Army National Guard, um, your commitment is supposed to be, one weekend a month and two <laughs> weeks in the summer. supposed to be in quotes. Yeah. So <laughs> you end up doing a lot more time than that. Okay. So I went to basic training at 22 years old, being the old guy in my basic <laughs> training class. You're dealing with, and you're and I'm you in, know, mature, and you're yeah, dealing with 18-year-olds, right? Yeah, I'm mature. I was still in very good shape at yeah. this time. I mean, physically, basic training was easy for me. Yeah, people for have you. This, was, yeah, yeah for, for me, it was very easy. Um I always say to people, like, some of the stuff that uh, people think about in basic training being difficult, like you know, they were like, "Oh, you only get five minutes to eat your food." I grew up with two brothers that would have stabbed you <laughs> with a fork to get the food <laughs> off your plate. I never once uh-huh. didn't finish the food in basic training. They were like, "Oh, the drill sergeants yell at you all the time." My mom was scarier than any drill sergeant I had my entire time in the basic in basic training. And right. I had dudes that had fought three times in Afghanistan. Yeah. That you know, had probably killed people, and That's the awesome. way that my mom used to yell at me when, when I was a awesome. kid was worse than them. <laughs> so. Whew. It was uh, so that was, you know, the military lifestyle was was pretty easy for me. So I did end up joining to be a combat medic and I, I loved uh, my job that I did in the military. So I ended up being in a cavalry unit, which is kind of like an infantry unit, but um, mechanized. So they're in trucks. OK, so um, I did that for six years and uh, as, a know, as, as a medic as a medic. Yeah. Oh, so I did that awesome. for six years. And when I came back, I did end up going to college, trying to go for nursing. I went for one semester. And while I was there, um, I needed a job. You know, yeah. I had left my full time job and I was going to college and I was serving in the military. So my mom, who manages a veterinary hospital, said, why don't you come be a vet tech? It's medical, but I, you can make your hours yeah. and it'll be easy job while you're in college. And, you know, you worked. I worked there when I was in high school, just taking care of animals and doing like, some cleaning and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So she said, you know, you know, all the people you'll like it. Come work here. I've been a vet tech ever since. <laughs> I <laughs> went to awesome. one semester of school trying to be a nurse, yeah. and I've worked in veterinary hospitals now. Um, it's been almost ten years That's that awesome. I've been back to doing that. You know, not
0: including the time that I worked there in high school, but I've been a vet tech. What about then. what about my question to you is, um, could you have been um, a paramedic? Are you certified as a paramedic? So I was a certified Yeah, so I was. I lost. I let my license
1: lapse because I did not never work as one, but I um, was a certified emergency medical technician. Through okay. the military, yeah. I so gotcha. you get that when you go to Army combat medic school. Yeah. So paramedic is uh, an advanced level of education. Past that, I would have had to do some more schooling. Gotcha. Um, there's a little bit of separation in what they can do. Yeah. And uh, my, I had some friends, a lot of friends, actually, that worked in ambulance companies when I was in the Army. That's a very, very hard lifestyle. Very hard hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, not really great pay yeah. for the amount of hours that you're doing unless you are a paramedic.
0: It's not. I, it's funny because, like, I, in a way, I'm – I don't know. I get these ideas, and one idea I had one time was, like, I, I want to be an EMT. So I did. I just went to class. I became yeah. an EMT, and, like, I hated it. Yep. I didn't like it. I've um, never met somebody that loves it. I didn't. I just I – didn't, I didn't fit in at the place I was yep. at volunteering, and I just – um it wasn't for me. I didn't have a good. The class sucked. Like I didn't yeah. learn anything. The teacher. I'll tell were you, uh, kind of off air. I'll tell you a story related to that yeah. about
1: one of my jiu-jitsu students who just went through a similar experience. Yeah,
0: it's it, it's unfortunate because I, I like helping people, and I've taken like um, I did like a ten day advanced like it's called wilderness first wilderness responder. Wilderness EMT. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. I was a wilderness EMT because I combined my EMT with my wilderness first responder. So in quotes, I was a and I had the certification that mm-hmm. that has lapsed out, but. Um, when you were so, when you were a combat medic, like, what are some of the? I'm always curious. Like, what are some of the differences in training that, like, you? are trained to do in the field that you would never do like on an ambulance so
1: the way that the army structures the training and i will say i was a combat medic but i've never been deployed you know i don't like people that lie about their military service i've never been, had an overseas deployment um, yeah. i've never actually been in any sort of combat you know and to me thankfully yeah absolutely as a medic you know people always say um when they're in the military you know did you do your job when you're in the military Us doing our job means something is going very, very wrong, right? We should never have to do our job. Our goal as medics, and some Army medics have a different opinion about this, you know, for whatever reasons that they join and whatever they're chasing. I don't want to have to see one of my friends get shot to do my job. Or, you know, if I was deployed, some of them, uh, the Army medics work in hospitals or they do other jobs. They're kind of like the catch-all medical personnel of the military. Um, But if you're truly attached to a combat unit, you're with those guys, you go out, you do whatever they're doing, and you're their medical support. So the only reason that you're doing your job is them getting hurt. Okay. So the training that we receive is trauma training. So it's you know caring for the gunshot victim, the blast victim, the crush injury from a vehicle rolling over, um, dehydration, yeah. concussions, all the common injuries that you would think of when you watch a war movie and yeah. those guys are getting messed up and they're screaming medic and somebody runs over and is patching yeah. them up. That's what we do.
0: Is there like, um, you know, as part of your training, is there something that, that happens that is like obvious to you, um, like the what will kill them first kind of thing, like yes. ABCs, like how do, yeah, you, how do yes. you go through? Like, so there is
1: there is uh, acronyms like that. Yeah, like ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation acronyms, you know, stopping massive hemorrhage is the main priority of yeah. combat medicine. And for people that don't know what that means, is uh, basically keep the red stuff in there,
0: right? <laughs> if, if there's red stuff leaking out of the person, keep the red stuff in the person. Dude, you should have been my teacher in high school. I didn't do too well, but like that makes sense to me. Keep yeah. the red stuff in.
1: Uh, me and my brother talk about this all the time. The Army, for all its flaws, has figured out how to educate people. Okay. I became an EMT in eight weeks. Yeah. Force fed through a wood chipper 45 <laughs> hours a week, right? But, but, but the didn't. Army's cranking out five thousand of them a year yeah you know they have figured out how to do school and we'll talk about my experience with the air force too and, and the air force as like the thinking man's branch of the military has really figured out how to do school
0: so there's what i, I want to get there but i want to act. i want to make sure that you know some a lot you know younger people listen to this you, you know so officially you national guard right is that yes. what's called
1: pennsylvania national guard is, so is, is that reserved
0: is that a just tell us like in general like if you're a kid and you like right now? You want to join the National Guard? What are the pros and cons, kind of thing? It, w- would it be better to do? Yeah. Years in the so Army? I wish you what? know. And
1: anybody that listens to this, if they want to call me, you know, or email me at Saga Jujitsu Saga Jujitsu at gmail.com. If you're a kid and you listen to this and you have questions about the military or questions about jujitsu, feel free to reach out to me because I think that military recruiters can often miseducate people and maybe not even through like this malicious intent that people think that sure, it is, sure. but they, they want to sell you the best version of it possible. And that's what everybody does. A college sells you the best version of college possible. That's Why a wouldn't point. they? They want you to work for them, right? So they're not going to tell you all the bad things about it, but they're yeah. also, they may not have been an army medic or they may not have been a truck driver. Maybe they were a, a helicopter mechanic. They don't know anything about being a mechanic. They have to read, the, they have to read that brochure and tell yeah. you what they think a combat medic does, right? Thankfully, medic's a common job, so it's easy to find people. But if you want to do something like you want to be like a Patriot missile technician and there's like 10 of them in the entire Army, yeah, good luck, bud. Yeah. And we'll talk about that with my experience in the Air Force because I do an uncommon job in the Air Force. Cool. Um, so anyway, uh, the differences between the National Guard, the Reserve, and the active duty branches. So. The Air Force and the Army are the only two branches of the military that have a National Guard branch. So they are governed by the state. Our commander-in-chief is the governor of the state rather than the president. Okay. Um, So our funding comes from both the state and federal level. Like I said, it's a one weekend a month, two weeks in the summer commitment. You go through all the same basic trainings, you are still uh, a member of whatever the higher branches. So say you're in the Army National Guard, you are still a U.S. Army soldier. You went to U.S. Army basic training, yep. you went to U.S. Army job school, you are trained to the exact same standards and caliber. Okay. Your follow on is a little bit different. You don't live full time on a base, you don't serve full time, and you go back to whatever state and you are, st- you are in that state and probably in the same unit for your career or your service commitment yeah. or whatever it is, you know, as opposed to people think of the military, you move around every two years. We don't do that. We stay to the state that we're in. Right. And yeah. if you, I mean, are there, what are the college perks? How so much the, do they pay the, for, yeah, so I'm not a recruiter. So I mean, I'm not here to sell you on joining the military and tell you every <laughs> benefit that they have. But if you join the Pennsylvania Army National Guard, one of the biggest benefits is you can go to any Pennsylvania state higher education school, 100% for free. Really? Yeah. So when I went to Westchester, which is a, a state higher education school. To school i never saw a bill it's not like i saw it and they reimbursed zero, zero dollars and zero cents it's a the great VA perk. stamped it and i went for free and they gave me money every month to go and if you serve overseas you get even more benefits what is, what is the commitment that you have to
0: make when you six years six years yeah six years for your first contract whether it's the air force or the army but the one caveat the one thing that always comes up is like you know it's that it's that um what is it you said it, one month in the yeah. summers and yep. two weeks What? say it again I, I yeah one weekend a month and two weeks in the summer. Yeah, I don't know I don't remember that but, yeah sorry right. um, it's not your job to remember yeah well I've seen the commercial a lot yeah. but what about you know you always hear like unless there's a war or something or unless, like, how yeah, does that so less like yeah so you and, know if you ever have Alex on the podcast he's he went to
1: Afghanistan so he could tell you a little bit more about this uh, okay. yeah, yeah so he has a deployment and my other brother drew um he went to Iraq and Kuwait uh for a year long deployment. Alex was was six months. So if there is a war going on, we augment, you know, our primary responsibility is to the state. The secondary responsibility is a federal mission, right? So the federal mission is fighting wars. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever they're calling the engagements that we're in sure. now. Um so you know, if you deploy places uh for wartime operations, so Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, Syria, wherever it is you're going, or kind of like uh Like federal type missions, like I have a buddy in the Guard who was just in Poland for a year on like a sustainment type thing. My old unit in the Army was in Egypt for the past year. They came back probably almost a year ago now. Um, Other things like if being in medicine, if you had like a medical command deployment to go assist with those kind of things, like uh, when Ebola was big in Africa, they were sending tons of, of soldiers over there to help with that. Um, humanitarian missions, so like stateside missions, you know, when you're used to like the flooding and all those kind of things. Or when the Pope came to Philadelphia, when I was in the uh, Army Guard, we did like the security for that. Okay. You know, the whole city was full of guardsmen. Riots, like uh, Baltimore 2016, I think it was, or the okay. Philadelphia uh, when the George Floyd stuff was happening. Yeah. So those stateside missions are all National Guard. The
0: active duty cannot operate on domestic Territory. So, could you get called up at a moment's notice? Like, could they call you right now and say, "We need you for two weeks in Nicaragua or whatever," and you don't really, you can't say, "Well, I just started a business. I can't." Yeah. Do you have? So I did. I did. uh, I mean, I went for four four months of training the two months after I bought this business. Oh. So yeah. So it happens. Air Force. Air Force. So, you know, you talked about the Air Force. Usually, when I talk to people. Um, about military they, they had picked one branch but how did you how do you like how are you also in the air force Like so, how does that work so uh I did
1: my, yeah so I did my six-year commitment to the army and uh this was two and a half years ago my commitment to the army ended so I was in the army from 2014 to 2020 and in 2020 COVID was going on and the world was a little bit crazy. And I thought I was done with the army, you know, for my own personal reasons. Yeah. I knew I was starting the business and mm-hmm. it was just getting busier. I was getting in a more committed relationship with, with my now wife. Yep. And I was like, all right, I just don't need this anymore. The time commitment that it was taking was not worth it for the lifestyle that I wanted to live. Well, when COVID happened, you know, I had to change my life a little bit and be prepared for different things. And I was like, maybe. I'll continue serving, but I know what the Army's about. I know everything the Army has to offer me. I've seen the pamphlet. I've done it. I have the T-shirt. I can prove it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, been there, done that. I don't want anything else out of the Army. Yeah. Uh, me and my brother have this uh, saying where we go, I've given them everything they can give me, and they've given me everything they can give me. Like, you know, yeah. I they have nothing left for me. I have nothing left you for them. You squeezed all the juice out of yeah. that lemon. Yeah. So, I had some friends that had served in the Air National Guard, and people kind of, uh, anybody that's listening to this that's been in the military, the the Air Force is the nice branch, right? The Chair Force. So I was like, like, you know, I spent, one of my last uh, field trainings in the Army, I spent a month sleeping in a field of mud in Virginia. That's awesome. I'll I'll show you pictures after this. Straight up, a field of mud in Virginia. (laughs) I was like, man, I don't want to sleep in mud anymore. I'm I'm almost 30 years old. My back hurts. I don't want to do this anymore. So I was like, I'll join the Air Force. So I went to join the Air Force, and I was like, oh, I'll be a medic. I'm already a medic. You know, they have medics. The transition will be one-to-one. So the Air Force, way, 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 way smaller than the Army. Okay. So the amount of jobs available is completely different. The Army, you want to do something, pretty much they can find a spot for any job. job Custodian, electrician, whatever, yeah. Yeah, so the Air Force has a diverse array of jobs, too, but there's way fewer positions. Uh, So I went to the recruiter, and I said, I want to be a medic. And they said, we don't have that. And I said, I want to be anything in medicine that you can offer me. So they said, you can be a medical logistics technician. I said, what's that? They're like, you'll sit at a desk. I said, no, we've, we've talked about this <laughs> we've before, been through this. Been yeah. there, done that. <laughs> I'm not sitting at a desk. So they gave me the pamphlet and they said, these are the available jobs. We know you're already in the military. We're not going to give you the whole dog and pony show. Pick what job you want and we'll tell you if it's available. So in there, there was a job surgery technician. I said, man, I really love medicine. I like working in the hospital. And I like what I do in veterinary medicine. But the thing that I don't do, the only thing I don't do in veterinary medicine is surgery. Yeah. I said, I don't really know anything about surgery. I think that I would like that. You know what there never is in an operating room? Mud. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if it's I a need to, clean environment. If I need to operate. And I said, it's the Air Force. Like, how bad could it be? And they said, all right. So we'll put you on this, this surgery technician. So now I'm in the Air Force. I get the surgery tech position. I said, all right. It's for a ground surgical team. <laughs> Ground surgical team in the Air Force designed to operate in austere environments. <laughs> so, okay. the mobile surgical team for the Air Force designed to operate in environments with other branches of the military. <laughs> Mud
0: pits. (laughs) So Yeah.
1: So I joined and I and I I've had a great time in the Air Force and the doctors that I work with are some of the best people that I've ever met. But um so I've I've done surgery in the Air Force, assisted with surgeries, gotten to see some awesome things. I was down at a hospital in Florida um, for like eight weeks working, um, seeing surgeries like orthopedic surgeries on Green Berets that have been injured, jumping okay. out of planes and, wow. you know, seeing some other crazies. Like I've gotten to do some, some really awesome, deliver babies. Like I've gotten to do some really cool things.
0: So uh, who, who's like, all right, so you're, you know, you're doing surgeries, part of a your surgical tech in the Air Force, but like are the doctors and surgical techs in the air force, like working for the VA hospital or so, is it like uh, active duty, that... active duty military bases have
1: their own hospitals on them Oh, okay. Yeah, that are only open to um, veterans. So if the VA cannot, it doesn't have the specialist that you need. Uh, so like, let's say you're um, looking for an orthopedic surgery and they don't have an orthopedic doctor or they don't have one that does shoulder replacements. Yeah. They'll send you to the active duty military base that has the hospital on it. Okay. Um, so they'll send you there. There are there's at least one that I know of, Brooke Army Army Medical Center, which is huge. Well, I guess now it's San Antonio Army Medical Center, in uh, San Antonio, which is like the hub of military medicine, is open to civilians as well. So they have a little, that's like an actual trauma center. Okay. I never worked there, but that is like a humongous hospital that sees civilian patients, military patients, veterans. But the ones that I worked uh, mm-hmm. at um, were smaller hospitals on bases. So that whatever subspecialties they had of surgery, you know, whether it's OBGYN, orthopedics, yeah. whatever. Um, the techs and what a surgery tech does is they just assist the doctor. So like we prep the room. Scalpel.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, that's the example I always use when they go scalpel and they hold their hand up. I'm the guy that's like, here's the scalpel.
0: So a lot less responsibility,
1: but still yes. get to see the cool so, stuff. Yeah, probably, yeah right? exactly. So I mean, the sterility and maintaining it. And oh stuff, yeah, no, it, I don't mean. To and on the, the small it, teams that we're on in the ground surgical teams uh, that aren't designed to operate like an operating room, our responsibilities are a lot bigger. Yeah. Um, So the team is myself, an anesthesiologist, a surgeon, emergency medicine doctor, a uh, emergency medicine nurse, and a. um logistics person
0: I was wondering um, my wife is in the anesthesia field she's a CRNA do you ever work with them it's a certified Certified
1: registered nurse anesthetist yeah Yeah.
0: I do not know because like I remember at some point they were really trying to recruit yes so they like heavily yeah so uh, nurse
1: anesthetists can work under an anesthesiologist and I'm sure you know the whole career but sure uh, on my team the ground surgical team we can have either an anesthesiologist or a nurse anesthetist. So I've worked with several of them and I've yeah. worked a lot of them in hospitals too.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah I know. Like, it's funny because, you know, I talked to my <laughs> wife a lot and other CRNAs, they call them, um, they're pretty much left alone Like yeah. in a hospital. Yeah. So they like are independently operating yep. and like one anesthesiologist yes. that only kind of comes around if there's a problem and there's not really that, you know, there's not, problems that often yeah a good friend so.
1: of mine that was a medic in the army with me is now a crna that's that was awesome. like the path that he wanted that was why he joined the army was to be able to afford to be his dad was a crna that's right. Really that sp- was in the marine corps so he did it all through his military but he's like join yeah you know it's a very lucrative field but have them pay for it that's so, amazing yeah. it's such a great option
0: why did you even do the air force though like what was oh it? so
1: you know jeez i get sidetracked so he's no, like, not like i was side-tracked. telling you I'm i just could curious. talk i could talk
0: forever so no, like, that's good I, we got um, time man so when I joined the Air
1: Force, it was just I was looking for a quality of life change. And, you know, the Air Force was supposed to give me that quality of life, which they have. And I love yeah. the unit. I'm actually right here in Willow Grove. That's awesome. The Air Force truly is one weekend a month, two weeks in the summer, unless I have to go to trainings, which I had to do a lot of trainings just because I was learning a new job. Yeah. But the schedule now, with especially with my team, we have a very unique schedule just because of the availability of the doctors. You know, they are doctors in their civilian life, yeah. so they can't afford to be not practicing all the time, sure. you know, they are, the military needs doctors way more than
0: mili- than doctors need the military. Mm. Good you know? point. Yeah, yeah. That's probably explains why they're heavily recruiting yeah. CRNAs yeah. and stuff. Yep.
1: So any, any healthcare <clears throat> providers, whether it's doctors, nurses, physicians, assistants, physical therapists, um, you know, the, the military really needs them because yeah. the civilian world can pay them so much more lucratively. Yeah. So we have a great schedule. I go to drill once every three months now. That's why yeah. I have a big beard
0: and, you know, well, what is it like, what, but when you joined it, are you, do you, um, do you get paid? Is it is it a job? No, so or are you just do. So it for that's kind of a misconception like, too. Which you know, if people are thinking
1: about joining the military, there is no pay per job in the military. There's only pay per rank. So if you see somebody that's a sergeant mm-hmm. and he's an electrician, and you see somebody that's a sergeant and he's a intelligence analyst, they make the same amount of money. Oh, it's a truly pay per rank system. You are you know, it's pay per rank, and you get um, for have
0: however many years you're in, you can increase your pay, um, but. There's no difference in job pay. But you signed up to do it, like, not just for a hobby. Like, yeah. you signed up because you knew you were a certain rank, too. So, I
1: was, uh, there were some things that I was chasing, some personal reasons why I wanted to stay in the military. Um, I had never been deployed. I thought maybe I could get a deployment out of being in the Air Force because okay. there was no, I didn't want to go to Egypt and stare at sand for a year yeah. with the Army. I can that's understand that. Truly what they did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I thought maybe i if I could join this surgical team, I would get to do surgery while I deployed. And, uh, as I said, you know, I bought the gym, and I was kind of like, "Shit, I just signed a reenlistment in a new branch of the military, and I have to go away for four months." And I just bought a business. So <laughs> thankfully, I'm the fifty fifty owner. And you know, I should say, Saka <clears throat> Jiu Jitsu is not just myself; it's me and my business partner and Jiu Jitsu coach, Mateo Debaz, who's like one of my best friends in the world. Has been my Jiu Jitsu coach since I was a white belt. Yeah, is an awesome dude. Um, you know, we're it pretty different points in our life. He's 50 years old with kids and stuff. Yeah. So um, he ran the business while I was away and did an awesome job. And we have a bunch of other coaches and black belts here that help us out because, you know, this isn't my full-time gig and I can't be here all the time. Yeah. So um, he ran the gym while I was away. I came back and then now, you know, I've just kind of been running out my contract because I think that I truly, at this point, I'm done with the military. So I get out in July of this year. Oh, good for you. That's
0: awesome. I mean, uh, thank you for your service. Yeah. And and your brothers, man, you guys are... Like that's the, the thing, American you know. Dream family, man. Yeah, it's well, awesome. Well, that's
1: another thing, you know, but, uh, the wrestling thing. Neither
0: of my parents were in the military. All three of us were. That's crazy. Yeah. It just goes to show that uh, sometimes the apple does fall far from the tree. They in had a way. lot of respect
1: <laughs> from it, for it. And, you know, my, uh, my grandfather on my mom's side was an officer in the Coast Guard. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, they – but they were just like, this is what you can do to benefit your life. So my yeah. parents, even living in an area like this – You know, I'm happy that they, my parents are working class people. My dad is a mechanic and owns an automotive uh, shop. And my mom is a a practice manager at a veterinary hospital. She was a nurse before that when she was younger. They're truly working class people. So they didn't see college as the only option. They didn't go to college and they were both successful and had kids and lived the life that they wanted to live. So they didn't say, you know, you have to go to college. I'm the only college graduate
0: of my three brothers. Yeah. Are you, um, so it's funny, you get Meyers Auto Care and um, ha- it's Hapro, right? Horsham. Or Horsham. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I always remember hearing about that ever since I knew you guys, but like, were, was there any pressure to work at the shop when you no, were a No, no, the exact opposite. My dad did
1: not want to speak at mechanics. He and didn't my want to brother, teach you anything? My brother right? Andrew is a mechanic. He's a, He worked for my dad for a long time. He was a union mechanic for UPS. Okay. Then he worked for my dad for a while and now he's the mechanic for, he has a really cool job actually, he's a mechanic for a private car collection. So, really? like, he works on, like, Ferraris. And, oh, my God. Yeah, so the uh, Grundy Insurance in Orsham, the yeah. guy that owns that, he's his private mechanic. Really? Yeah. He probably has quite a uh, arsenal of cars. Uh, it's insane. So, <laughs> it's, it, he gets – his job is very cool. Because he has a CDL, so he, uh, he'll uh, trailer the, the cars-to-car shows and stuff for him, too. That's awesome. That's part of his
0: job. Yeah. What um So, like, all right. So, you know, we, we talked a lot about, you know, your life, man. It's a really cool life. But we really didn't even get into, you know, I'm sitting here in this cool gym, Saga Jiu-Jitsu and Hapura PA. Like, what? How did you even get into jujitsu, and what has your path been like? I mean, I see like all these medals on the wall, and I have I have you know pictures of you in competition. Like, how did this world sort of come about, and and what has been your progression through it? Yeah, yeah. Did you have like a clue when you first started? So,
1: (laughs) the reason that this place is named Saga, you know, you asked what my progression, what my story is. What. What's my saga? Yeah. You know, saga is a story. What's your story in your jujitsu? And everybody has one. Right. So we always say, we, you know, our thing is write your saga. The first day you, you walk into this gym, you start that, right. You you're starting to write your saga of what your jujitsu is going to be like. So my jujitsu saga and my story kind of started when I was done wrestling in high school. Like I said, i started doing judo at Liberty Bell judo. And, uh, when I was in college, I still had that passion. My college had a jujitsu club. I trained under this guy who's now passed away, William Yurisovich. he was an awesome dude. Yeah. Um, and when we were there, I was I was doing jiu-jitsu and my brother called me one day and he said, hey, they finally opened a jiu-jitsu gym in Hapro. And there was this place called Paper Street Jiu-Jitsu. So I was like, awesome, dude. We're going to get to train. I, I know a little bit. You know, yeah. we've been training and we wrestled. And Alex wanted to fight MMA. And he's like, oh, you know, one of the other guys, Lex Ludlow. I was going to gonna ask
0: you about Lex. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I know he was training at Paper. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I first heard of it. Yeah. Because he was, you know, he was a student character. Uh, yeah. So, so it, Lex Lex was uh, involved. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So um, shout out to Lex.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Lex. <laughs> so we, uh, we we wanted to come check the gym out. So my brother was training there because like, he, was, he was here working for my dad. And uh, he would call me and he'd be like, oh man, there's you know this guy at the gym and this guy at the gym and this guy in the gym. And there's this guy who owns the gym. And he'd tell me about all the characters. Jiu-Jitsu is a, is a sport of characters yeah, for, for sure. sure. You know, to hear the nicknames that we have for some of these guys, they're like, what do you, you call this dude Slippin' Jimmy and this guy, <laughs> Bodybuilder Rick. And I'm like, his name's Rick and he's a bodybuilder. They're not complicated nicknames. But, makes sense. <laughs> you know, so. Um, you know we have all these people and these characters, and he's like, There's this one guy that's this old man accountant, and he's like, I thought I was gonna beat the shit out of him the first time I met him. He weighs like 160 pounds, he's like, He killed me. <laughs> that's my now business partner, made uh, all the best. That's <laughs> awesome. So, he's he's like Master Splinter from the Ninja Turtles, dude. Yeah. He's like the most unassuming guy, but I've seen him just absolutely trash like 20 year old college football players. Uh, I love hearing, yeah, that. yeah, great. he's the man. Um so Alex said, you know, come check this place out. The guys are awesome. Some of our friends were training. My older brother, Drew, was training a little bit at this point before he, um, you know, kind of stopped. Yeah. And uh, I came back, and I just loved it. Yeah. I loved jiu-jitsu. I already knew I loved jiu-jitsu. I was already into it. And I started training, and I was like, man, this is all I want to do. So, I, like I said, the longest break I've ever taken from training was just to go to basic, to basic training for the Army and go to medic school. Ever since then, I, you know, even when I was, like, 21, 22 – 23 being a shithead going out to the bar. Yeah, I would be like jujitsu first, then the bar. That's awesome. And you that's, know, that's I would have a hangover dedication. on Saturdays and I could care less that I had a hangover. We used to come in here and we would like sweat gin and tonics on each other at like <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> on yeah. a Saturday. You know, but when you're 22, you can do that now. I'm like, oh my God, I have one beer. I feel like I'm gonna die. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, So I just I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. So then when I was a Purple Belt, which for people that don't know, that's probably like five, six years into your jiu-jitsu yeah. progression. When I was a Purple Belt, the former owner of Paper Street Jiu Jitsu, got sick one week and he was like man I'm sick can you teach my class yeah I was like teach he's like you're a personal trainer dude it's the same thing I was like it's not the same thing but (laughs) he's like you love jujitsu who's better to teach a class than somebody that loves jujitsu he's like even if you don't know what you're doing all the guys know you they have respect for you I was a competitor in jujitsu ever since I was a blue belt because I love competing we could talk about that but um he's like just teach the class so I taught the class and I was like man I like this so he was like Uh, just teach the class every Thursday. This guy was like always looking for a way to get a day off work. So he was like, just teach the class every Thursday. So I was like, all right, I'll teach the class every Thursday. So my, my business partner, he taught on Wednesdays, I'd hold on on Thursdays, we would come to each other's classes. And uh, we both were like, dude, we really like teaching. We really like teaching. We really like teaching. This went on for years, all the way until I was a black belt, you know, which was two years ago when I got my black belt.
0: Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So I got my black belt in like nine years of training, which is about average, it's eight to ten years is the average path to a jujitsu black belt for people. So, I got my black belt, and uh, this was COVID time. So, mm-hmm. I was, you know, during COVID, I probably might get blacklisted for saying this. I was still training during COVID. I put mats in my gr- I me and my brother handmade mats out of plywood and foam so that we could keep training. That's awesome. I would train uh, on a tarp in sand if I had to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I love jujitsu, I absolutely love it. It's the best thing in my life, right? So, Uh, the old owner of Paper Street was getting out of it and he said, Man, I'm selling the gym, I'm moving, it's COVID. You know, he was making the right decision for him and his kid, and I'm happy that he did it. He seems like he's doing great now. But he said, I'm selling the gym, you know. I don't know who's gonna buy it. I said, I know who's gonna buy it. Me. (laughs) And he was like, I don't know if I wanna sell the gym to you. He's like, Ah, you know, I have some other guys interested. So I went to Meta, my co-owner, and I said, Dude. I know you want to open a gym. Me and you have talked about how you want to open a gym forever. I said, why don't we just open it together?
0: Yeah. And he's like, oh, I never
1: thought about that. And he's like, you want to own a gym? He's like, I was managing a veterinary hospital at this time. Um, so I had a really, you know, a, job, a very demanding job. I was driving to Center City every day for the job. Brutal. Um, and he was like, dude, you, you have a demanding job. And I'm like, dude, I know a little bit about managing businesses. My dad's owned a business my whole life, so I've know what it takes to own a business. He's a, my my co owner. He's a finance guy. I'm like, you know, all the financial that's side awesome. of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's I'm a like, win. Yeah, so he's a loan manager from bank. I'm like, you know, all the process to get the loans. You know the, and uh, one of our black belts here that teaches some of our classes, Danny, is a lawyer, and he does he's a contract lawyer. So he knows he Another drew up win. all our business contracts. Yeah, we have a great connection of guys here. If you ever need a lawyer, there's like a million of them that do jujitsu. So I know a ton of them. Awesome. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, I was like, we have all the assets to do this. And I was like, it's COVID. And he's like, dude, it's COVID. Who the hell wants a gym? Nobody's yeah, going to sign yeah. up. And I was like, dude, we can do this. I'm like, it, the, the investment's so low, even, you know, we're not going to quit our full-time job. So it took like a little bit of back and forth for me to convince him and then him to be like, all right, well, how serious are you about doing this? Cause you know, like I said, he's much more established in his life than me. He's a little bit older. Yeah. So I talked to my wife about it. She's in the police academy. It's like, oh, do we really want to spend more money? Taking blah, blah, blah. on a big project. You know, that at this time, I knew that I was going to go away for the Air Force. <clears throat> um, I said, man, fuck all that. I want to do what I want to do. I was like, you know, everybody will always tell you that you shouldn't do something. And I thought about that high school guidance counselor telling me I shouldn't have joined the Army when I was in high school. And I was like, dude, if I had joined the Army when I was in high school, and even if I had served active duty for four years and been graduated by the time I was 21, I could have gone to college completely debt free yeah, yeah. and like live this like life. And I was like, dude, she didn't know what she was talking about. I was like, none of these people. And my dad being a business owner his whole life said, do it. He's like, who cares if you fail? The investment was so low to buy the gym because nobody wanted a gym during COVID. Yeah, He was like, fail. He's like, I'll give you the money to do it. You know, I said, my parents are supportive, but you have to figure it all out. He's like, I'll give you the money to do it if you really want to do it. So I didn't want to take the money from my dad because you know, families and business don't yeah, really sure. work out too well. So I, Bought the gym with my co-owner, and we've owned it ever since. And we've done a ton. If I could, I wish I still had pictures. If I could show you what this place looked like before we bought it, yeah. it didn't look like this. Yeah. We put these wall mats up. We did the we did these floors. We completely repainted the gym. We hung all. There used to be nothing in on the walls. It looked like a warehouse
0: in here. Basically, yeah, it was a I warehouse can, with some mats it. tacked
1: down to the floor. Yeah, I yeah. can
0: picture it. It, it. It's pretty amazing now, man. It's a great. It's just a great large space to train. Um, And it's also like no frills. Like what I hate, you know, there's no nonsense stuff. Like it's just mats and uh, it just, it just has the feel of like a a nice place to train.
1: Yeah, so our whole thing is, it is a clean, inviting, friendly place to train. So it's, uh, that's the guarantee I make to people. We will always give you the individual attention that you want or need when you come in here and it'll always be clean. And you know, we will offer classes that, we have classes seven days a week. If you want to train jujitsu, and you join as a member here, you can train jujitsu. Like there is no yeah. barriers to you doing it.
0: That's amazing. I, I mean, I do want to talk about like how you can join and some of that stuff in a little bit. But yeah. Tell me about like. Um, well, it's funny. I, I, I definitely like UFC. I love like um, folk style wrestling. Um, just college wrestling. I'm a big college yeah. wrestling fan. High school wrestling. Uh, but I recently saw Bo Nickel wrestle Gordon Ryan. Or I'm sorry, jujitsu. I wrestled Bo Nickel on
1: that mat right there. I have a picture of it. You
0: did? Yeah. He came in here to train jiu-jitsu with us. He's fighting right now. When was that?
1: Uh, six months ago. Really? Yeah. That's <laughs> insane. Yeah. Yeah. Strong.
0: Yeah. Shocker. Dude, that's crazy. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, how did he find you?
1: So he was doing a seminar at a wrestling academy near here. Well, he was, I know where he was at. He was at Pursuit. Yeah. Because... One of my guys' sons wrestles at Pursuit. Who? Uh, Adam Soli.
0: I don't know him. My yeah. son wrestles there, too. Your son's a little bit
1: older than his son. Okay. His son's 11.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, because I know the the guy that owns Pursuit. Um, his son wrestles with my son, and he works with like he works with like Jocko Wilnick.
1: So that guy, yeah. is who brought the him in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you will have to tell that guy you came over here because he trained here a little bit too? Um, so basically, he knew one of my coaches, Joe, who coaches the Worship Youth Program. Yeah. And Joe is this guy's name Joe too. Joe Coglin, uh, yeah. yeah. So Joe Coglin, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I know him. Yeah. So Joe Coglin is one of my black belts. He teaches okay. Here. I know him. I, yeah, I'm not I know him. him. I know he's, him yeah. he's old. He might. He probably was a student at abortion before you were His name's on the wall in the wrestling
0: room, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah he's That's a very, how I know. very good wrestler. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so he's one of the coaches of the youth club. So basically, Bo was coming to town to do that, mm-hmm. and he texted Joe Coglin and said, "You know, I know you're into jujitsu. Do you have a place where Bo could train while he's here because he's getting ready for an MMA fight?" This is. Maybe before his fight on Contenders. Yeah. It wasn't before his debut MMA fight. I have a funny story about when he came in here, too. Um, So he came in here and they told me it was going to be this other guy. Uh, What the fuck is that dude's name? Jason Nolf. He's another, yeah, 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 another uh, Penn uh, Penn State wrestler. wrestler. I don't don't care about wrestling really. Like, I like it, but like, I don't follow it enough to like know who they are. So he comes in here and I shake his hand and I go, Oh, man, I knew Bo Nickel was fighting, but I didn't know you were fighting. And he goes, I am Bo Nickel. And I was like, (laughs) Oh, they told me it was gonna be this other guy. My, he just looked at me like I was nuts because he just couldn't comprehend that somebody in grappling didn't, didn't know, know who, who he was. was. <laughs> and like, dude, don't get me wrong. I'm not big timing Bo Nickel, but like, I just don't know who you know. Yeah. Like, if I brought Gordon Ryan, who's the best jujitsu guy in the world, in here, and I brought my dad in here, he wouldn't know who he is. If you don't follow yeah, the sport, yeah, you just yeah. don't know who they are. I couldn't.
0: I, I wouldn't know who Gordon Ryan was until I watched the video like a week ago when he wrestled. Yeah. Or, Went in jujitsu against yeah the
1: yeah so I I mean I've never watched more than ten minutes of an NFL game in my life. If you brought the starting quarterback of the Eagles in here, I wouldn't know who he was. So you know like I that's <laughs> you didn't just get not Super Bowl. N- yeah no I made it I made it through the uh, the first quarter and then I was yeah, like all right I can't stand all these idiots at the bar. Probably I a good get out time of to uh, bail anyway. Yeah right game. so but I'm just like you know I don't follow any sports besides jujitsu and MMA. So unless I mean now Bo Nickel being in the UFC. yeah for but, sure. So he came in here and he was very strong and very athletic, but it was very cool to wrestle with him. And I've wrestled with, you know, jujitsu world champions and I've done jujitsu with, uh, MMA, UFC fighters. Uh, I've grappled UFC fighters in, comp- in competition matches. I've grappled world champions. Uh, you know, I've trained with Liam McGeary, who was Bellator world champion. So I've trained with all sorts of guys that are really yeah, good. He was, he was an athletic talent though. It was yeah. nuts, you know, with the level of jujitsu that I'm at and the, le- how long he's been training jiu if it's i couldn't i couldn't submit him you know I mean, yeah like that's yeah
0: i mean it's a great like you know watching him in folk style wrestling or whatever free, freestyle whatever he's doing is i mean he's just a man and it's, a it's maker have you seen him fight at all i he's have got some power. yeah i have i mean a lot of i don't know there's a lot of promotion and stuff like it's not hard to picture him as like the next you know kind of big thing but yeah. yeah they say that about a lot of guys Who yeah a lot of i mean I, i'm a fan i was a i'm he was a penn state guy i think three-time national champ i yes. mean i watched yeah. any match of his that was on i loved watching it because he was so dominant right I don't, know, I don't know if i've ever seen him lose he didn't lose too many matches now no. um but that's really cool man that's a, yeah. a that's neat that he was in here um yeah I, i'm just like I'm, I'm trying to think of yeah, yeah. Oh, that that that's what I was thinking of. Did you see the match against Gordon Ryan that he had? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because like it seemed uh, there was, dude. I know nothing about jujitsu, but I saw at one point it seemed like Gordon Ryan. I read some of the the comments. Um, it seemed like he kind of had control. He kept trying to do that thing where he's grabbing his leg with his leg. Yeah. I don't know what the hell that's called, yeah. but but there was one big move that like Bo had on him. Yeah. It where was he like suplexed him he was walking backwards at him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's like that match. Were, These like jujitsu wrestling crossover matches or whatever. It's, yeah. Somebody said that that Gordon Ryan let him do that just to get in closer or something. So who knows? I don't know. Um, But it it was fun. It was fun for me. We already,
1: I mean, what are we trying to prove here? We know wrestlers can take down jiu-jitsu guys and jiu-jitsu guys can submit wrestlers. Yeah. (laughs)
0: That's the weird thing. Like, being a wrestling fan, it's like you're coming at, you know, head slaps and whatever, all that, putting pressure on the neck. Jiu-jitsu matches or whatever you call them are always weird for me to watch. Because it's like, even I did jiu-jitsu for a very short period of time, like, couple months and yeah. I like once a week, like I'm, yeah, right. nothing yeah. enough to try it. Yeah. Enough um, to know what it is. Sure. I know what it is. Um, but I never knew how to start. <laughs> like, right. and when I watch matches, people are just like, there's no ring, there's no, um, well, there is a ring, but like, what's the, what's the protocol? Like, in a and match, it depends.
1: Like, so there's no unified rules of jujitsu, which is kind of one of the hamperings of the sport. And this is maybe like, you know, more of a thing to talk about on like a jujitsu podcast, but, <laughs> um, there's so many different rules of jujitsu
0: and the, it's one of the things, it's one of the detriments of our sport. That's okay. It's not a big deal. I don't want to get into something that's not all that interesting. I just noticed that, you know, when I see jujitsu for the first time. So you, You've done some competition. Like, what's it like when when you get a um, like a match that's coming up? How do you get a match? Like, do you have an agent, or do you no. have like? Yeah, a, so I book uh, a all a my own matches. So
1: I, I compete a lot. I compete a lot more than most black belts do. Okay. Um, I'm actually pre- preparing for a tournament right now. Next weekend on Sunday, it's a, a cash tournament for three thousand dollars. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I've competed um, like more than ten times at the twenty three hundred arena in South Philly, which used to be the ECW arena. Yeah. if You know, Pro yeah. wrestling. Yeah. I've competed there a bunch of times. Um, didn't they have
0: cfc fights there yeah i've gone to maybe yeah so i've competed
1: there for fury grappling which is cffc's jiu promotion fight to win which is probably like one of the biggest traveling jujitsu promotions um i've done i've done a ton of stuff i've been competing since i was a blue belt and you know thankfully i win a lot more than i lose so i'd say i you know not to gloat but like i'm a pretty good jujitsu competitor have you ever won money uh yes yeah cool not tons of money, but a lot of my matches for money. And, you know, uh, that picture over there of me uh, holding the belt in the middle was when I won the finisher sub only championship,
0: which is a pretty big promotion. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So what's your, like, I mean, you're going through this, you're, you know, are you, is there, is there, a cl- like, I know there's classes, there are notches in the belt kind of thing, but like, are there guys out there now that you know, you have Gordon Ryan, the best in the world. Yeah, you have Gordon o- Ryan. For people that don't know, is we keep bringing his name up, is
1: like uh, the Michael Jordan of Jiu-Jitsu right now. Yeah, and I, I only know that because I hear a lot yeah. about him, and yeah. I, you know, I've seen a little. He's bit. a crossover
0: kind of star now too, because he's like on Joe Rogan and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, you have you have the Gordon Ryan, and you have the the white belts that kind of just starting. You know, obviously you're a black belt, so you're up closer to there. But is there a tier? Are you in? What tier are you in? So. I'll give you an example. Gordon Ryan's coach, John Danaher, is
1: the best jiu-jitsu coach in the world. And I've heard about him. I've grappled three of his black belts. Okay. So, you know, am I Gordon Ryan? So you know his – Yeah. You know I mean, so there's a picture on the wall over there of Alex. It's down at the bottom. Bottom right? Yeah. Yeah. And we can go over there. That's some other competition pictures I'll show you at the end. But in that picture, Alex is grappling a dude, Lucas Barbosa. Lucas Barbosa is the 10-time black belt world champion. Wow. And Alex is grappling him. Wow. So, so you're right in the midst. Yeah. With so, these like, guys. are, are yeah. we top 10 ranked guys in the world? No. Like, did, Alex didn't win that match, but he didn't get submitted. Yeah. You know, I just grappled uh, this dude, Dan Manasui, in Atlantic City um, like four or five months ago. That was in ADCC, which is a tournament that happens every two years, which is basically the Olympics of Jiu Jitsu. Only 16 people qualify for it at H weight. Yeah. Dan was one of the 16 guys that qualified at
0: heavyweight. I lost to him in overtime. Okay. So that gives me uh, an idea where you're at. And he's one of Gordon Ryan's training partners. Okay. Yeah. When you're so when you're walking around on the street, I always like, uh, I I had a you know. I definitely a couple years ago. I was like, man, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna work, get my blue belt. I know you should, I like from it. Saga Jiu Jitsu. I, I know, I know, <laughs> I should. You know, so my problem is I have this hip condition. I'm gonna need a new hip. I don't know if you have guys like that in here. Do but, you have
1: uh, Do you know Dave Smith? The Smith Brothers.
0: Dave yeah, and Don? yeah, the wrestlers. Yeah, Don well, Smith. Well, they're and Dave they're Jiu
1: Jitsu guys now. Are they they're really? my Jiu Jitsu guys? Yeah, Dave's one of my purple belts. Don's one of my blue belts. Dave is 32 years old and just had a full hip replacement, and I trained with him last night. He had the hip replacement less than a year ago. Dude, don't tell me this. <laughs> don't t- don't. He was back on the mat. Dude, oh, my I'm, wife not, isn't you know, listening. I'm not uh, i am not telling you what. But even for all like the bushcraft and survival and hiking and stuff you're into, that's yeah. going to start wearing on you. Dave was back on the mat's training in less than three months.
0: And he's a full hip replacement. I just wonder if like, you know, I don't know, there's certain things he kinda can't do, like no. a tr like No, He's one or of or my main nope. He's one of my main training partners. Jesus Does Christ. everything. We
1: wrestle each other. We did a, a ten minute round last night because I'm preparing. So he is one of my he's actually uh preparing to do a match himself. I'm getting him one of his first jiu jitsu. They call him supervites, so which is like a one on one match rather than
0: a tournament. Yeah. He's prepping for one with a fake hip. With a fake hip. Dude, that's nuts. Yep. Wait, this it's Dave or Don Don is- Dave. Dave is a fake yeah. He's yeah. the younger one. Yep. Damn. Yep. I love those kids, man. They were awesome. I love Don. Don's yeah. a tough little dude. He's still tough. Yeah. yeah they're both not, still tough. I mean, yeah. they're great
1: training partners. I'm really happy to have them. And yeah. there's really yeah. something about brothers that's just like. Dude, I'll tell you. Hard-headed like,
0: brothers. Dave's a, Dave's a police officer, too, now. Oh, is he? Yeah. Dude, uh, man, shout out to them. I love yeah, those guys. Yeah, they're awesome. You guys, like, uh, the kids are different now. Yeah. At Hapro. Yeah. It, it's know. like, I remember you guys as like these hard-nosed, hard-nosed good athletes, hard-working kids. I'm not saying you were all going to Harvard, but neither did I. But there was a there was like a working-class student that was there that yeah, – Well, Dave and
1: Don, they grew up. Their dad owned a tree service. Yeah. Don's going to take that tree service over. He still does that, and Dave's a police officer, so working-class guys. And uh, my dad was a mechanic, working-class yeah. guy. And, you know, I think that, you know – it's an expensive area and it's a nice area to live in, but my parents worked hard to live in this area and not that people that work white collar jobs don't work hard. I hate that kind of moniker of, you know, Yeah, no. everybody goes through their own hardships and everybody's, everybody's life scales. People's, you know, people's lives are hard, even if you don't see it, I think is is a good way to look at it. But what they decide to do with the way that they raise their children with what they've built for themselves can define their kids a lot. My parents could have made my life, Easier and they could have made my life
0: harder than yeah. they did. You know, it's funny. You talked earlier about like your mom and like no drill sergeant will ever be as scary as your mom when you were a kid. Oh,
1: my mom's a tough lady. Yeah. Well, here's the
0: question though. Like I, I, you know, I go back, it's kind of like, you know, with our, we have three kids and, um, I would say my wife is definitely more of the uh, disciplinarian, um, and she kind of gets mad at me sometimes, I think, because I kind of, you know, I don't know. I'm just not, she's got to tell me, hey, you got to back me up. And not that I don't back her up, but she's definitely more concerned about discipline and sometimes will be hard on the kids. Does What kind of effect does that have? Like you've been through it, like you have a mom that's pretty hard is that a is it a good thing bad thing are you happy later in life that she was hard on you I, yeah I yeah so know.
1: i mean me and my mom still work at the same veterinary hospital so we still we still we still get
0: to butt heads she every still day battles yeah, with yeah. You? <laughs> yeah yeah we still get to butt heads over works
1: awesome. but uh yeah so no it was awesome and my dad um my dad was kind of the same way my dad stayed out of stuff until he had to get into stuff so yeah. like, my dad stayed out of the arguments and everything unless it was about sports you know my dad was always on me about wrestling But I was the type kid, I'm an extremely internally motivated person. Yeah. So I never had to be told to go to wrestling practice. I never had to be told to lift weights. I wrestled all year round. I do jiu-jitsu all year round. I still lift weights five days a week and compete and stuff. I don't have to compete. I don't have to. I'm 30 years old with a job (laughs) and I teach jiu-jitsu. Most jiu-jitsu coaches don't compete at all. I could ride on the Whatever you know, whatever they're worth accolades that I have now, and never have to do it again. Yeah, I think being a bad high school wrestler stuck with me, and I had this chip on my shoulder. It's like,
0: man, I have to be good at jiu-jitsu. My brothers were good at wrestling. Yeah. I have to be good at jiu-jitsu. That's fun. So, you know what's funny about that is like when that I that little first, bit of yeah, that yeah. little bit just stuck with me. It, it matters because you know when I think about when I think about you and I go back and think of high school. Like I do think of them as I remember Andrew was like a stud football, whatever, and then Alex, you know, st- placed at states. And then I don't I don't have a – I didn't have a memory of you wrestling. I just kind of assumed you were probably good. I just don't remember it. But then I saw, like, as I followed you on social media and stuff, I was like, wait, Kyle? is it, Are you sure it's Kyle? Is it not Alex? You were the one that was, like, wearing the black belts and, like, in all these competitions. I was like, oh, Kyle's really doing well, at, you know, at jujitsu. So that's cool that you say that because, yeah. like, I feel like whether you had a chip on your shoulder or not, like, you've obviously – made your mark and you're, you're, yeah. you're clearly like in the game now. And, and it, that's gotta be, dude, I can't imagine what it feels like to, to be a black belt and just have that pride of, you know, you earn something that's not, it, there's no, you know how you see like karate, like karate yeah. and like, Oh, I'm a black belt. It's like, eh. all right. No, it I put a run. lot of,
1: I sacrificed, like I said, a lot of time and, and, you know, whatever else that I yeah. did, time, money, opportunities to do other things because yeah. I didn't want to miss training. Um, to be a black belt and now to own this business, but it's, it's all come full circle. I mean, this business is doing very well and I highly encourage anybody to come check us out and come train with us and, and see why it is that, yeah. you know, some people ask me, you know, they're like, why should I pay $150 for Jiu Jitsu, which is what we charge a month. And I say to them like, you're not paying that $150 just to do any jujitsu You're paying that $150 to do Jiu Jitsu at Saga to get the experience that I've had. My black belt to me is worth tens of thousands of dollars Absolutely. because I've put in hundreds and hundreds and yeah. hundreds of, of hours. And not only my black belt, all the other black belts made his black belt. He's been doing he, this black belt that he has in jujitsu is his third martial arts black belt. His black belt in what Taekwondo, else? Aikido, and now a second degree black belt in Jitsu. He has been training. We have these, uh, we have these hoodies that say established 1971 because it's <laughs> when he was born. Okay. He's been training since the eighties. Yeah. Non-stop That's continuously. Insane. And you know it's you're paying for our years and years of knowledge. Joe, who we talked about earlier, Division One college wrestling coach, jiu-jitsu black belt. You Where did he co- wrestled in college. Uh, he wrestled at Maryland, George Mason. Oh, okay. You're think you might be thinking of Jason Gripshaw. That's who I'm thinking yeah. of. He wrestled at Maryland. Yeah. yeah, he did. Yep. So Joe wrestled at I believe George Mason. Okay, C- Cleveland State. One of them he wrestled at, one of them he coached at, but then he also coached at Drexel. So I mean, you're getting wrestling instruction from a Division One wrestling coach when you come here, who's not only a Division One wrestler but a Jiu-Jitsu black belt too. That's awesome. So you're getting all of our knowledge.
0: So man, I for I think we could charge you three hundred dollars, yeah. and it would still be a steal. Just so you know, one hundred fifty dollars to me doesn't seem like much. I mean, look, it, it depends where you're at. And like, yeah. If you're a kid, you know, like uh, that's a lot because you can go to like when you talk about gyms, you can go to like uh, Planet fitness or something for what is it like seven dollars a year or something yeah <laughs> or whatever ten dollars i get month. no attention
1: from anybody exactly and the knowledge exactly. of nothing yeah and it, it's like that's, you learn that should be, that's worthless to me it is that's, that yeah. should be free they right. should just let you in there you know what i mean when you come here every single time you come here there's a coach coaching you every single time you come here it's an experienced coach that i believe in that i personally or meta believes in that we personally have vetted and we're like man you are you can teach jujitsu to the level that we expect at saga let me ask or, you, or it's one of the two of us teaching you directly because we still teach
0: a lot of the classes. Right. So. And that's that's a good thing. Let me ask you this. If you are, um, you know, you're you're a guy or girl out there that, whatever, is like, ah, oh, jiu seems cool. I've been hearing a lot about it. It seems like it's the way to go for, you know, all these, you know, get the certain mindset, get in great shape, defend yourself, all that stuff. What would you say is like, for the common guy who maybe looks at your websites and sees these like hammers that are just like, Oh, it's intimidating. Like what would you say to someone off the street that like doesn't have any experience with anything? How yeah, would you so get, I mean, what would you say to, get I think
1: here? it's easy to look at somebody like me that's 30 years old and is a big competitive jujitsu heavyweight black belt and be like, I'm not that guy. I can't train. Well, first off, I wasn't this guy when I first started training, but I started training as a teenager. So I get it. It's a little bit different, yep. but my average jujitsu student is 18 to 45 years old and starts off with absolutely no martial arts training probably isn't even an athlete and if they're 45 years old maybe they were an athlete 20 years ago and that's completely irrelevant right but it's just people that want the same thing what do they want they want a good group of people to hang out with right which is a primary thing that a lot of people come from whether it's jujitsu or their local pool or darts league they want a good group of people to hang out with yeah we have awesome people here right so you're gonna get that when you come here they want quality instruction. We already talked about that. Absolutely. Right? They want a friendly environment. I oh, mean, these guys are my best friends in the world. I love yeah. hanging out here. Yeah. I would hang out here. I did hang out here for ten years for free before <laughs> it was ever in my gym. So yeah. you know, you're gonna get that. And they want to learn to defend themselves and they want to be confident because let's be honest, most people are never gonna get in a fight. What? Do you see people fight every day? No.
0: No. no, they, no think about no.
1: the last time you saw two people get in a fist fight. Living well, in Horsham. I, well, I do work at the high school sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. I. You know, which is funny to me because.
0: I could probably count on one hand the time, amount of times people got in fistfights when I was yeah, in high school. I've heard yeah. it's gotten worse. But eh, honestly, it's a, if one thing have, you know, the internet's bigger now than it was yeah, then so too. So like up. if one or two things. Hang, I always say that to
1: people. Bad. I'm like, dude, I'm only 30 and Instagram didn't exist when I was in high school. I know, it's crazy. It's, what it's a, did uh,
0: exist when you were in high school? Facebook? Facebook, <laughs> <That's so laughs> Facebook yeah.
1: Now yeah. it's like, man, they're probably smacking people for TikTok likes and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah. It's funny. So... <laughs> You know, they want that self-confidence. And being able to defend yourself does give you a ton of confidence. Because you might not see a fight, but what if that one day a fight happens? Yeah. Wouldn't you rather be able to defend yourself? What if you find yourself in the survivalist situations that you teach people? You know, uh, you go on a hike and you get lost. Would you rather know how to do something or not know how to do something? So it is just a tool in the tool belt, you know what I mean? But the good thing about this tool in your tool belt, you know, maybe some of these other things are a little bit boring. Jiu-jitsu is awesome. You get to hang out with the coolest people in the world. Us. You know I mean? What else could you ask for? Of course. And you get to learn this awesome skill. And secondary to that, and it's even the primary goal of most people, you get in shape. Yeah. Uh, wh- I mean, what else could you want? You get a great group of people. You get to get in shape. You get confidence. This is like the catch-all ultimate thing, and that's yeah. how I try and sell it to people. I could give two shits less if you ever compete in jiu-jitsu. Would I like it if I had some guys that want to do that? And I do. You know, I have yeah. some, some competitive guys. I'm going to coach in two tournaments this weekend. But if you're the average person that just wants to learn it, dude, come on in, give it a shot. And the worst thing that happens is you meet awesome people and you gain confidence and you get in shape. Find me something else that has all those benefits.
0: Yeah, that's a great sales pitch. Um, I I mean, like if you do want to, if you want to come into Hapro and check out the gym, like what do you... Is there like a trial? What is it like? What are the prices for kids? Yeah, versus so I'll adults? have you like, kind
1: of try and put some of this stuff up when you put up the description. So first off, we are Saga Jiu-Jitsu, 430 Jacksonville Road, Hapro, Pennsylvania. Um, so we are, you know, right off of York Road, which is like the center of Hapro. A lot of yep. people listening to this are probably familiar with the area. Um, if you want to come in, we offer a free one-week trial for anybody that wants to come in. And that free one-week trial lets you train as much as you want in that week. So if you're an adult, that op- that opens up class to you seven days of the week. Like I said, daytime. And evenings and weekends um, so you know no matter what your schedule is we can accommodate that if you're a parent with kids we offer kids classes two days of the week Tuesdays and Thursdays that are both taught by black belts which is kind of a rarity in the jujitsu jitsu community um, my co-owner teaches one of them and another black belt though it's a good friend of mine teaches another one um, you know kids age 7 to 14 and all those same benefits that I talked about for adults tenfold for kids that's awesome. kids don't have a lifetime of experiences to have confidence to know how to take care of themselves and be fit to talk to other people that they might not talk to to meet other kids and new friends from other schools all the benefits that you think about putting yeah. your kid in a sport but they also get the self-defense and confidence benefits of it they learn to line up you know they learn that if they put work in they get promoted and yeah. confidence so you know people talk about like a lot of kids don't learn these things because maybe their parents kind of uh, make this path for them we're not promoting anybody you don't get the belts it's not like karate you don't just get them because i punch a card and you show up 20 times yeah you get the belts because you get better at something so you get promotions for doing your job better
0: yeah yeah you, know? you earn them you earn them um you know it's also i i saw earlier like back in your office as you're giving me a little tour it seems like you're into or you i, I don't know i saw these little figures and characters like yeah. what part of your life is that like did uh, you yeah. you, uh, you know did you never so, like? Did you hang on to a lot of that yeah, stuff? Yeah, what, no, no. So that's all. Uh,
1: that's <laughs> I am a giant nerd. So I love Marvel movies. Um, I love science fiction stuff. Yeah, like I think I just wanted to be Captain America subconsciously. So I learned <laughs> to fight people and join the army. Like uh, you know what I mean? It, so, it might not be that far fetched. Yeah, I mean, yeah, honest. right. My one so,
0: son loves all that, and I could see him following the exact path because of those reasons. So,
1: I don't know. Captain America Shield on the oh, Wall. Yeah, I see. Here. Yeah. So
0: um
1: that part of me, like, I just I love that stuff. You know, what I mean, what's cooler than than superheroes and stuff? I think that you don't have to grow out of that kind of stuff. Just like uh I'm kind of one of those people that thinks that people don't have to subscribe to like one idea. Like I think that I work in a female dominated industry in my regular life. Yeah. And I could care less. You know what I mean? I have a wife that's a police officer, and some people are like, some guys are all weird and they'd be like emasculated by that for some reason. Yeah. I could care less, you know what I mean? But then in my, I was a soldier and I'm a veteran and you know, whatever else. So I think that you can be a nerd or whatever you want to call it and have those things be your interests and your hobbies. But does that define me not being able to be athletic and be in shape and take care of myself and be social and be able to yeah, talk to no. people? What, I don't have to put myself in some box just because of the things that I like. And dude, it's awesome when you get to the age where you're like, Dude, I'm just gonna have all the things that I wanted to have as a kid because now I have adult money to do <laughs> Some it. Some more money, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what my room looked like when I was ten, and now this is what my weight room. And it's all, you know, you kind of said my office. That's like my personal weight room. So there's uh, weights back there, yeah. and a bunch of like cool comic book stuff.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. So yeah. I
1: buy all that artwork when I go to uh, me and my wife go to the
0: uh, Philly Comic Con every year. That's so I awesome. buy all that artwork there. I think I saw you. Um, I don't know if you were there, but you might have been there at the Q town wrestling thing. Uh, yeah. I, w- w- I, were you there? Do you remember yeah. seeing yep. me there? Cause yep. I had my kids there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like yeah. yeah. That was, I think the last time Alex I saw you. And yep. I don't remember. So there's who a whole group of
1: us that love going to that. And, uh, he's talking about, um, Dude, it's like amazing pro in quotations <laughs> wrestling at the Quaker town farmer's market. And it is, if you're looking for like a weird Saturday night to go hang out with your friends, oh, yeah. drink some beers before you go. Like oh, if yeah, you yeah. have a time when you can't take your kids, you should come with us sometime. It's a good time. Invite me. <laughs> um, go drink some beers. Go to the Q Mart, which is like the weirdest place so in the world. Weird you can eat beef jerky. There's a, an awesome restaurant in there called Babushka's, which is like a real restaurant and yeah. should not be trapped in there. <laughs> and it's like the best coffee shop and restaurant. Me and my wife love it. We wanted to get our wedding cake made there, actually. We like it so much. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, go there. Do that stuff. Look at the weird vacuum repair store that's been there since... Oh, yeah. My parents have been taking me there since I was a little kid. So it's amazing. Yeah. So, and then go watch pro wrestling in a room that they have craft shows. And like,
0: I don't even know, probably like... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. It's two, it's two, um, Trump rallies. Two in row- there, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. There's two, it's two rows deep. So the tickets are what, 10 bucks or 15 bucks. So you always have a front row seat. Yes. Um, I mean, I, whether you go with your friends or you, if you have kids, take them. Like, I want to get a bunch of my like son's friends and take them up. I try to like describe it to like their dads at like wrestling practice. I'm like,
1: you got to go. It you got to check it out. People don't get it. Like, I'll show you some pictures of the last time. How long has it been since you've been there?
0: Just have you only been there that one time? I was only there that one time. I have done like a couple other ones locally, like where I lived in Lower Bucks County. I think they're one of the most fun things that you can go to. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. I mean, and the people are like, they live in Quakertown most yeah. likely. Yeah.
1: So, so the last one I went to, I went with my dad, uh, my brother Drew, because he lives up that way. Yeah. And his, Drew, one of Drew's daughters. He has two daughters. Oh, awesome. So he took his older daughter. <laughs> Dude, it was a, uh, Nightmare in the best kind of way, <laughs> the in the absolute best kind of way. They like pulled like Susie from the bar stool to wrestle some. Lady. Like, dude, oh it was God. nuts, and I just love it. But when we go with my friends and we get a little bit rowdy, and it is just like we almost convinced one of those dudes to throw a dude through another guy through a table. I'm pretty sure I could have jumped in that ring and wrestled if I wanted to at one point. Like,
0: we we just like yeah, to go. There's not a lot of restrictions there. I took my kids to one. It was at like another like place like that, like a fire hall. And, was it um, in sellersville by any sellers yeah point? i think it was yeah so we had a guy here that was uh he was a pro wrestler
1: but like a little bit like you know higher level than that but not like a wwe wrestler yeah so he like kind of like looked down on that but yeah. he wrestled at that place in sellersville a lot when he first started and he he had some stories he's an interesting guy oh
0: i bet they had dude they had like the figure, like little puppets like made up after the uh the, the wrestlers yeah and and I, I don't know i forget what was the guy's name was it ant-man or something I forget. Whatever. My my kids bought them though. They loved them, and for like two years, they like worshipped those guys, which was hilarious because it's like they live in the area. They're not like real professional wrestlers. Yeah. I guess they are. I don't know. They're. I mean, yeah. they're
1: as much professional wrestlers, I think, as like some dude playing like. Do you know semi-pro football? How there's like dudes yeah, that play like semi-pro football. it's always weird. Because it sounds like it's so close to pro, but it's like yeah, so played semi-pro. Far away. It's literally like even like guys dudes that... who play arena football that probably like. I mean, they're not making a living, but they're making money. Yeah. It's just, like, the difference between, like, dudes that fight locally. I mean, oh, my God, local fighters. What a hard freaking life. But local yeah. fighters and then the UFC, even dudes in CFFC. Like, I intimately know how much money they are making, even the champions. Yeah. It's not
0: great. It's, you're beating that dude up and then going to work at UPS on Monday yeah. like <laughs> that, that, that's why I give those guys even more credit sometimes because you know they're working full-time jobs and like it how do they their there's whole life the UFC is working full-time jobs
1: yeah, I mean, yeah I know, I, there's a lot I of guys, guys UFC. yeah I know guys that uh, you know have fought in the UFC and have it's it's fighting is a very very hard life you should have either my brother or zoo or somebody on here that really can speak to fighting because you know I'm, no, I, I'm speaking I, I to will. it from an outside perspective and even just as like a coaching perspective
0: yeah but it is a very very tough life. Do you anticipate any having any like potential UFC fighters come through here? yeah, no, I mean, so that's
1: not what we're looking for. Jiu-Jitsu has grown so much on its own. Yeah. Um, we are not an MMA gym. No, I know, yeah, but I'm
0: saying, so. like, if they want to get, like, the best oh, Jiu-Jitsu Oh, so if somebody training. was
1: looking – yeah, so if we have fighters looking for a Jiu-Jitsu coach, and if you listen to this and for some reason you know a fighter or you are a fighter and you're looking for Jiu-Jitsu training, um, yes, I would yeah. do that. And I've worked with a lot MMA guys. We have some guys from uh, Alex Trains at Beacon MMA and Terry Hill. He does all of his Jiu-Jitsu here and at uh, Grindhouse in Southampton with our coach James Booth. But um, he, uh, he has another heavyweight fighter that he comes to that comes to work with okay. me just on jiu-jitsu. And to find heavyweights, um, like bigger guys, is hard. Yeah. And it's unique. Me and Alex are two of probably the best heavyweights on the East Coast, I mean, to hype ourselves up. So people come from all over the place just to work with us. That's awesome, man. Wow.
0: Um, good sales pitch. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I want to ask you before we uh, kind of wrap this up and maybe yeah. take a little tour. In your life, you've had a lot of mentors, leaders, I mean, obviously your parents, but like outside of your family, like who, two questions, who has been like a really great leader or mentor that you've um, tried to mimic if there's been someone out there or what are some principles that you've sort of implemented into your current training? owning a business, just the way you carry yourself. Like how what kind of leader so are you? So there's been a
1: couple and thankfully one of them now, you know, we started off as like that kind of relationship, uh like a coach and, you know, athlete relationship. And now we've grown to be like friends is my yeah. my co owner, Maida best. So Maida is, you know, like I said, twenty years older than me. Yeah. So he was really like my life coach. You know, what I mean he told me like I have a great dad. I didn't need another dad. Like yeah. I'm not a dude that's like, oh my God, my dad wasn't involved in my life. But you know, he taught me a lot about managing my my finances. He taught me a lot about what jujitsu meant. He was a purple belt when I met him. Now he's a second degree black belt, but coached me so much in jujitsu. Um, you know, now being my business partner, we're learning to own a business together because he yeah. didn't own a business. But he's like I said, knows a lot about finances and stuff. And he's just always told me, and he this is one of the best things he ever told me is to balance your life. Um, outside of jujitsu, so whether it's jujitsu that you do or something else, so you like working on cars, you're into racing, you know, you're into bushcraft and survival and hiking stuff, balance everything else out in life with that and you'll be a much happier person. So, like, we always talk Hmm. about, like, um, you know, a lot of guys, they stop training because their girlfriend hates jujitsu. Well, their girlfriend <laughs> hates jujitsu because they're like, oh, it's Saturday at noon and uh, I'm going to practice. And they're like, oh, but we were supposed to go to the flower show together. And they're like, oh, fuck the flower show. I'm going to jujitsu." jitsu <laughs> I tell my wife, hey, I'm going to a jiu-jitsu tournament this Saturday. And I like the flower show, so I wouldn't be upset to go. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm like, you know. I, we can go to the flower show next Saturday. I'm not like, oh man, I don't want to go to the flower show. I'm not going, or I don't want to go to your in-laws. I'm not going. I want to go to jujitsu. Balance it out, man. Say, you know, for me, for years, I didn't train on Friday nights because that was my, whatever it was, my girlfriend at the time, or my my fiance or now my wife. Yeah. That Friday nights is the night that we're going to spend together. Or, um, you know, Saturdays are the day that we spend together Sundays or Tuesday nights. I don't train, find that balance, establish that balance early and continue that pattern. Yeah. Whatever that is in your life, if you want to balance, like you're at work too much, and your wife's like you never spend any time with the kids, Tuesdays at six o'clock. I don't care. I'm telling my boss I don't work past six o'clock. And if your boss doesn't like that, get a new job.
0: Yeah. Cart Find a balance. Time out. Find balance a balance.
1: Balance. 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 You know, don't don't go hard for two months and then disappear. You know, that's another thing people yeah. do. In any in any sport or any hobby, they're there all the time for two months and then they disappear. Probably because in that two months, somebody, whether it was their parents, their significant other, their boss, hated them for doing it. Yeah. And if you establish boundaries and establish balance early, you will be so much more successful. And I try and pass that on to my jujitsu students. So he really taught me that. That was one of the biggest things he taught me, among a million other things that really helped me out. And uh, another mentor of mine was my uh, first platoon sergeant, Ben Murch, in the Army. He was, uh, so he's the leader of our medical platoon for a while and he said this one thing to me, he was kind of a, a, a great guy overall, Yeah. but he said this one, th- I mean, he's still, I'm not, I'm not like talking like you know, he was <laughs> yeah, a great no, guy. He's no, still no, around. Guess, he's I still in the, he's actually still the leader of that medical platoon in the 104th cavalry. And I'm, I'm sure they are lucky to have him as a leader in the military. Um, you know, so, just so up. this guy, like I said, is still the platoon sergeant, uh, for, but you know, one time we had somebody complaining, they said they wanted an award for doing their job. Um, At this training exercise that we were at for like a month and they kept complaining kept complaining kept complaining and your your platoon sergeant or whoever's in charge you if you're going to get an award has to write you up for it so he said this thing to me that has stuck with me to this day and he always laughs when i say it he said he's getting really irritated the person he turns around and he goes nobody ever got the medal of honor for doing their job and i was like huh you know you're right and he's like you have to do something above and beyond He's like, everybody just wants to be rewarded for doing their job. He's like, congrats. That's what you're here to do. Yeah. He's like, the bare minimum is showing up and doing your job. Why should I award you for doing that? He's like, what, you want to pat on the back because you showed up every day this week? That's not. Yeah. So I think about that, and I'm like, nobody ever got their black belt for just showing up. Well, But people do, and that's the crazy thing to me. And that's whether it's your black belt, your Ph.D., you know, I graduated from college and I've, I've, you know, completed a couple of schools from the military and done some other things. And you, you don't just get it for showing up. And so many people just want stuff for showing up. Yeah. And that, you know, beyond all the other things that that guy did for me, he just really taught me that, like, that is what it it is. You know, you have to do a little bit more if you want a little bit more. And that's yeah. that stuck with me. So uh, to be a business I like owner, that. I could have just kept this place the way it was when I bought it. I could have kept it as the previous name. I could have kept it the way it looked before. I, I could not, we're building a whole new seating area for the parents so that they're more comfortable. I could have class five days a week. I could, I could, I could, I don't, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. It's like, don't, don't talk about it, be about it. Just do the thing that you're gonna do yeah. and do it to the caliber that you would want somebody else to do it if you were on the other end. Uh, if you were on the receiving the end, you know what I mean? So I like if, I was, if I was a customer and not the owner, what would I want as a customer? I would want the yeah. best service possible. And that's what I'm going to give to the people that come in here or, you know, in my, whatever, this is the job that I'm most passionate about, but even in my service as a veterinary technician or in my service in the military, I'm going to do what I can do. And then, um, the only other person that he would laugh. <laughs> that's if, a great if perspective I, though. I love that. Yeah. He would laugh if I, I kind of called him my mentor, cause we have a very uh, kind of rough relationship Is my jujitsu coach, James Booth. Um, James is huge. He's six, five played college basketball. And uh, heavyweights are hard to find. We talk about this all the time. We're yeah. last. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's, it's difficult to find uh, other heavyweights. And when we find a group of heavyweights and James brought together all these heavyweights on the East Coast so that we could all train together. And we all kind of like he was like the alpha dog of that group of people. And when I when I first started training with them, James basically taught me that there's always somebody better than you at something. Yeah. I thought I was good at jujitsu you know I mean I competed I knew there was people better than me but I was like the only people that are better than me are like these world-class guys I'd never even heard of James he kicked my ass every freaking day that I trained with him (laughs) but he didn't kick my ass and just go all right I don't want you to be better he kicked my ass and helped me so much to get better and helped me to develop a competition mindset and to realize that there you need to seek out the people that are great at the things that you want to do so that's, that's it. I yeah, love that right there. Yeah. That's important. So seeking out James, I already had, you know, I had my own coach, me and Maida, and I had guys that I was surrounded by that were good at jujitsu, but James was a good, he's, he, uh, was a bronze medalist at Brown belt worlds. Um, uh, you know, when he first started, he got his black belt in five years, you know what I mean? I, and he's huge. So I had to seek out the best competitive black belt coach, heavyweight in the area. Yeah. Seek out that person. So let's say you want to be a, um, doctor or whatever and you want to go to the best medical school well everybody wants to go to the best medical school yeah. so that they're given the best instruction possible seek those people out seek out a mentor yep. and make sure that mentor is where you want to be james had the accomplishments that i wanted to have and was similar to me and was willing to help me and do that all completely for free it's i never gave him a dollar and he never asked me for one to do that he just did that because he wanted a group of guys for him to train with because he wanted to be better yeah. he sought out training partners for himself
0: yeah, shout yeah. out to James. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's interesting. You said that because um, so many times in my life, like I, I love like I've heard that kind of it before. Like if you like don't waste your time. If you want if you want the best jujitsu, come to Saga. Like mm-hmm. don't wait. Don't waste your time at somewhere else that may not have the top instructors. You know, I, I right now I'm in a scuba diving class and it's okay. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and I've been in other classes, other things that I've been in and, and like I haven't had great instructors. And right. It's So frustrating because I'm giving my four hours on this night or like dedicating my self the EMT training that I did. It sucked. Yeah. And I'm I was so angry <laughs> because like I wanted the best. And like yeah. sometimes you can't. It, it's hard because you just get what you get. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. I think that's great advice to, to give, like to seek out before you commit, yes. you know, seek out the, the right people before you spend that time and waste that time. Yeah. So, and that's why I, I like said, that. you
1: know, if you want to join the military, you want to get into jujitsu or whatever it is, any of the things that I've talked to about on this podcast, I'm not the, the world leading authority on any of those things, but I can point you in the right direction. That's so, awesome. you know,
0: Well, I love it. So, um, Saga Jiu Jitsu located in Hatboro, beautiful downtown, sort of Hatboro. Yeah. Beautiful industrial Jacksonville road (laughs) right next to Richie's bar and girl. (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. Hey, you can go hang out there afterwards. It seems like you have a nice thing going here, Kyle, with, um, uh, a great setup some great people and it seems like a cool thing to to be a part of i want to do a little thing where we will walk around and yeah. kind of show people the place and we'll put that up there but hey thanks man i appreciate Thank it you. it's been a good uh, been an honor to come yeah, in here and yeah. uh, spend some time with you
1: all right awesome thanks man yep
0: if you have a great mentor or leader that you would like to be considered for the show email us at the leader next door 10 at gmail.com also check us out on instagram at leader next door and our new youtube channel at the leader next door and as ralph waldo emerson once said do not go where the path may lead go instead where there is no path and leave a trail have a great week everyone